This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Halloween Kills. The evil has returned again, again. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies we most explore for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 473. 473. Perfect for a trick-or-treat night. Exactly. And speaking of which, Halloween does come early this week because we are talking Halloween Kills, the 12th entry in the Halloween franchise and the latest... The sequel to the 2018 sequel and the second part three of the franchise. There you go. Pretty good. <laughs> I think I nailed them all. We'll get back to this again. But uh, joining me to discuss Halloween Kills this week, joining us to discuss Halloween Kills. Hey, hey you're here. You're right there. You're right there next to me. <laughs> uh, we have joining us from the Brandon Peters show in Why So Blue, Evil May Die Tonight, but he's making Myers great again. It's Brandon Peters. And Brandon talks tonight, so let's do this. <laughs> Also joining us from the Nothing's On podcast, Old Magic Gaming, and the HHWLOD podcast network, trying to crack the code of the Strode family stew recipe, it's Jim Dietz. You you thought I was just looking out the window, but I was actually looking at my own reflection. Oh, that's deep introspective. (laughs) Well, you know. I was just I was I was big get big on the fact that I, I inadvertently rhymed code with Strode. I wasn't even planning that, but it worked out really well. <laughs> well, I kind of want to know work. about this family stew as well. Well, that's so. Jim, that's what Jim's working on right now, so he'll get back to us with that recipe because I want we need to know. Yeah. But Jim, Brandon, glad to have you both here. How are you both doing this evening? I'm good. Um, hoping we can get together, grab a few more people, get all about this Halloween kills. <laughs> yeah, feeling swell. Good. Glad to have you both here as always. Having back on the show, and of course, you two—you—you've spun off your own thing over on the Brandon Peter Show, if I'm not mistaken. So the old, the old space show. Yeah, this is a old. This is the old space show out now show. It's a crossover. Show. Yeah, it's a crossover almost. <laughs> exactly. Crisis on Infinite Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna get into all of that and more, but first we're gonna do some show notes. So first up. Uh, our horror episodes. It is October, and this is like kind of a de facto horror episode since we have a Halloween movie that came out this year. But as always, we do these special horror bonus episodes where we talk about a, a variety of horror-themed movie topics throughout the month of October. And we have done multiple so far, including we're focusing on franchises this year. So we've talked about the Candyman franchise, the Omen franchise, and just this week we released our Final Destination episode, which was really cool because not only did Jimmy, Brandon, and Jason Coleman all join me to discuss the Final Destination films. We had the creator of the series, Jeffrey Reddick, on to talk about his experience writing the first movie and his involvement in the second movie, as well as joining on to discuss the other movies with us. So that was really cool, and those are all out there now. It's a free podcast. Yeah, I, it is, right? And we have we, we have more coming. We have a Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode we were going to be recording very soon after this, <laughs> and then the week after that to close out the month, Speaking of Halloween, we're going to be recording a commentary track for the 2018 Halloween film, keeping this film in mind. So that will be a lot of fun. A lot of cool stuff coming down the pike here. Uh, so yeah, and you can find all those episodes and everything we do for this show over on iTunes. You can search for our show, Out Now, Out There, Abe. You can give us a rating review also, which will be great. It'll pop us up in the old iTunes charts. Give us a spooky stew recipe. 
I, that would be great if we get a review that's just a spooky, a spooky, spooky recipe. <laughs> if it, if it recipe. turns out to be Jim, I'll still be pretty impressed. I'd be, <laughs> happy. I'd be happy to read it. <laughs> read it on air. <laughs> that recipe is. Um, so yeah, two stocks sure. of, ch- of celery. <laughs> yeah, lots of cool stuff there. Uh, also cool, the um, Newport Beach Film Festival is uh, happening this week. It opens, it starts up on Thursday at the time of this recording, the 21st of October. And uh, my lovely girlfriend and frequent guest of the show, uh, Ms. Anna Bosch, uh, she has two short film programs that she is responsible for uh, this year. She put them together, and she's very happy about them. Uh, and I'm just going to shout them out right now. She has the Animation Fascination Program and the Short Thoughtful Docs Program. Um, so those are uh, two programs of really cool films in them. And you can find all the information at that if you just search for a Newport Beach Film Festival. You can get your tickets if you plan on attending in any capacity. So there you go. Awesome. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on now, guys. Let's get to so let's get to some other cookies. Trademark. Each we that we do it out of the cookies. Trademark. What? Exactly. Exactly. T M. You can't steal it if you don't know what Aaron's saying. That's right. That's what makes sense. You can't steal the trademark, man. <laughs> Abe, uh, you were absent yes. last week, so I want to know, you know, not only what you you've seen recently, but what yeah. what did you think of No Time to Die? It'd be hilarious if I jumped on this week and I was like, you know, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had so many questions for you. I was bummed to miss out from last week's episode. Uh, it wasn't on the on the episode. I listened to it. You guys had a, a long, fruitful, lengthy discussion about the Bond series as well as as uh, No Time to Die. I, I just had so many questions for you guys because I didn't kind of know what to think. I kind of was like, I guess this is – is this how other James Bond movies are? They're kind of goofy and then they kind of like get semi-serious and then – some cool action sequences. The action beats were fine, uh, and the set pieces were great. I agree with you guys at Andarmus, uh, you know, knockout performance, uh, great amount of time, kind of left you wanting more, which is fantastic. But, you know, all the Rami Malek, Rami Malek stuff, I was just like, I, is this how all the Bond villains are in the, in the past ones too, where they kind of like will go away for two hours of a movie and then show up in the last 45 minutes kind of thing. It but, depends. Like, Dr. No doesn't show up to, like, the last third of the movie. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, and, you know, this Bond villain gave his, gave his monologue as well, which is fun, and they, they're on an island. Uh, you by know. the way, I believe you're supposed to refer to him as Oscar winner and SNL host Rami Malek. Ah, uh, yes. He, he's also getting quite a lot of praise for his SNL performance and his hosting from last night. Uh, but No Time to Die, I thought it was... All right. I kind of figured that if you're a Bond aficionado or a Bond fan, you're probably going to like it. And it's a nice farewell to Daniel Gregg, sure. Um, as far as like a movie goes, it, it's no Skyfall. But I I couldn't I, – this is why I wanted to be on the episode and talk to you guys about it so I could get a better understanding of just the Bond series overall. Because uh, I guess that if you're a Bond fan, you'd probably find it to be uh, serviceable, acceptable, okay. Um but I, I largely was just like, this is kind of a long movie, uh, and it was fine. All right. So, no time to die. You see anything else uh, recently? Yeah, I finished The Art of Self-Defense. Oh, yeah, that, quite, that was a lingering I, uh, thread that we had dangling there, yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I finished it faster than Cool Hand Luke. I don't know what that means, but um, uh, quite quite a dark comedy. But I enjoy those types of dark comedies, and uh Jesse Eisenberg doing these small, weird movies where he's uh, a character probably not much different from his, his real-life persona, fun to watch. Yeah, so uh, kind of an interesting movie, but I dug it to some degree. Oh, it's, so, it's, a, lot, yeah. it's, a, good, it's a lot of good stuff. 
That that ending has a good punchline. <laughs> it really does, especially when he's speaking German to the dog, telling the dog his other left. But yeah. anyhow, uh, our self defense. I've also seen a few other things. I just can't remember off the top of my head. I might just shout it out later in, in feedback. You know, as a host of the show, I write the things I've seen down, so I'm prepared when we. Oh, oh. <laughs> I I I sometimes I write things down when I have a very strong opinion. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Jim Dietz, we haven't heard from you in a while. What have you seen recently? I just watched VHS 94. Oh. Uh, the new uh, horror anthology series uh, entry. I enjoyed it. I tend to enjoy horror anthology series, though. So I like the short form horror. It's pretty fun. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I have been. Did you, uh, did you have a favorite segment from it? I think the last one, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was probably my favorite of the bunch. Uh, so, so, so keeping on the anthology track, I watched Star Wars Visions with my family. That was pretty fun. Uh, I was inspired by Mr. Brandon Peters the other day by him mentioning on Instagram to watch the WNUF Halloween special again. Uh, that's really fun. That's like a uh, I don't want to say found footage because that does a disservice. It's actually like a a, a film made to look like a, a, a local news channel in Halloween. Uh, time in the 80s doing a local segment uh, that goes wrong and it's done really well really craft craftfully and uh, uh, just very well done uh, probably one of my favorites in that kind of uh, genre and style so I still need to I'm check watching. that out someday you guys have t- Brandon mm-hmm. you've talked about that a number of times I'm very high on that movie yeah, yeah. and there the uh, recently came on blu-ray from uh, vinegar syndrome which mm-hmm. kind of sounds ridiculous because of the source on it but it did have some like bonus stuff that's extra good they had like a a trailer for uh the wnuf christmas special (laughs) oh cool kind of funny and uh and a a soundtrack album that is uh those are kind of funny too but and there's also discarded commercials from it what else you got jim um that's about oh i watched the um there was a a little while ago they did a uh, the uh, san francisco sketch fest did a table read of the script of a plan nine from outer space. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it was Dana Gould, Bob Odenkirk, Bobcat Goldthwait, Maria Banford. Uh, oh, so a bunch of amateurs. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've never heard of up, up and comers. Um, oh. just, yeah. A bunch of Lorraine Newman, you know, a bunch of, bunch of no names uh, doing a table read of uh, Ed, Edward's plan nine from outer space. Uh, it was hilarious uh, for uh, all the right reasons. And uh, it was great. Uh, that's, one of my favorite bad movies of all time. It was great to see all these comedians uh, take take their take on it. You know, well, it's certainly it's not really... stupid, stupid, stupid. It's it's it's, it's entertaining. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, all of us of Earth are idiots. You know. So. <laughs> Brandon Peters, what have you seen recently? Well, I, I've recently returned from uh, vacation. Uh, so uh, recently, before somebody I left, went to Star Wars. I did. I can talk about that. Um, but I. Uh, I saw before I left. I saw Escape Plan Tournament of Champions, uh, Tourney of Sea, uh, which fascinated me because I didn't get to it in the theater. But like the Blu-ray has an alternate cut mm-hmm. that, since we're talking about Halloween today, is like one of the most like drastic changes, like Halloween Six had, uh, <laughs> where there's a completely different story to this movie uh, and a different, completely different like the it's like there's when they get in the escape room portion of the movie, all things happen the same. But the mm-hmm. first act of the film, the third act, there's some 
scenes in intercut during the movie, not too many. The first act and third act, completely different uh, how it starts, completely different how it's finished. Uh, actor James Frain is in the movie. He is not in the theatrical cut. There's a known a name actor who is in the theatrical cut, not in the uh, this extended, extended cut is doing it a disservice. It is a completely alternate cut. That would probably be better. Um, but I was just fascinating at, like, I you had turned me on to that, Aaron. Uh, you said, like, I heard this yeah, is different. Yeah, like 25 like, extra minutes or something like that. Yeah. I didn't have my review copy yet, and I would probably wouldn't have. Per- I probably wouldn't have hardcore sat and watched it twice like that. But after hearing that, I was like, "Huh, I wonder how much different." And like right from pe- pressing play, completely. And I was like, "When is it going to get to the movie I saw?" <laughs> <laughs> it's that different. So, uh, so you're saying is it's is it just the the ending and the beginning that's different? Like nothing in the middle is. Alternate or the, the escape room, like with all the characters doing the escape room stuff, that's all different. Largely this, Large, all, well, no, sorry, that's all like largely the same. Okay. So once you get to that, if you're just trying to check it out, you can kind of skim through till you get to the part uh, with the the city, the the city street. Yeah. Okay. Once once that finishes, completely different movie. Okay. Because uh, I, like, I I have I have a copy as well and I'm curious and it's like it's, it's not like I wouldn't want to watch just watch the whole movie straight up yeah. again because I like the movie. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. At the same right. time no, I'm, it's, I'm it's pretty busy. Like, so if I have to watch yeah. just like, you know, thirty minutes as opposed to an hour, you know, an hour and change, like, yeah, all right. It's fascinating. I'm just I love like when it's a real alternate cut like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when something huge happened and they changed it and that that fascinates me. Not like in the OOs when we got extended cuts unrated cuts and all this unrated and out of control yeah all those things where you get a worse <laughs> on, on version of, of call new orleans <laughs> right well i'm sorry like a worse version of talladega nights like mm. i don't know and couldn't find that theatrical version on blu-ray anywhere mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's just fascinating so that that was a nice little kick uh, out of something I, I i liked the first escape plan it was excited for the second one and it was a solid movie but this took it to another level for me of enjoyment beyond just like the movie itself. Just like, whoa, what happened here? Like what? Like, it's not like we were doing test screenings during pandemic. Like what? Now I'm curious if like the escape room three, uh, the final escape nation, I will, um, <laughs> um, yeah, will have incorporated the things that take place in said well, alternate version yeah. or in, in the film, there's that name that comes up a lot through it that you're like trying to find out that mystery. Uh-huh. Completely different thing behind that. Completely different. Hmm. Like not the same at all. But um, yeah. And I saw No Time to Die, which was very swell. Um, enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, yeah. So there's that. And then I, I have now um, Road the Rise of the Resistance and Smuggler's Run. And uh, speaking of other cool Star Wars stuff, because it's not popular anymore. I rode Star Tours six times. Hey, there you go. Did you, you go? Can, you can go Rice. around and around and around on that. If if I wouldn't have had my family with me, I probably would have rode it more to try to get all the storylines. <laughs> did, did you get to go to Crate? I didn't go to Crate. Um, I went to. So last time I went to, I went there in 2018, and I got a bunch of prequel stuff. Mm-hmm. And my son got to go twice because we had to do the my, my daughter wasn't too big enough to ride it. So they did the thing where they let him go again with my wife or whatever. And they got crate. Um, but this time I got like uh, the uh, play. I got a uh, Kashyyyk twice. 
I got um, Hoth. I got the stupid place where the dagger for the Death Star was drowning <laughs> in the water. You got the, uh, you got the Goonies planet. Yeah, I got the three times I got the damn end of Rise of Skywalker with the the ships and stuff. Um, but yeah, I got I got oh I got Jakku. Um, what else? I'm forgetting some of the other ones I got. But yeah, it's fun to cool. be able to run around on that thing as much as you want because once you can see afternoon, it's like a five minute wait for that thing. Hmm. All right. Well, very nice. cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I have seen a few things this week that I'll make note of. First up, I will briefly mention The Last Duel, because this is the new Ridley Scott film that also opened this week to a very small number at the box office, which is unfortunate. Um, Abe and I have already discussed the idea of doing a Out Now Nights episode focused on The Last Duel, so thank you. So uh, I will not go too far into it. I will just say it is a movie worth seeing, and Ridley Scott is very good at this kind of thing. Um, So yeah, more on that TBD. (laughs) It has to be a name. you got to see it soon because it's, it's, it's going to only be in theaters uh, it's, for so it's long. It's going to exit theaters next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what else? I saw Lamb. This is mm-hmm. the A24 horror drama. Horror in question, quotation marks because I don't – I mean, it certainly has elements that fell into that category. But, you know, it's very much an A24 film first and foremost. It's uh, it's not necessarily long, but it's certainly very meditative med- in its pace. Um there's not a lot that necessarily happens. The central concept involving these two farmers in Iceland that come across a special lamb. Um, it's very interesting to watch. I haven't really fully formated my opinions on the film yet. Like I, I liked it overall, like in that, you know, however much that matters, but there's, it has layers that I just haven't like, had the time in my mind to like really decipher as of yet. But I feel like that's a good thing given the fact that you just don't get movies like this all the time. And so if I'm still thinking about it compared to just watching something, then moving on that speaks higher to the film than not. I will say it's a gorgeous film. It's set in Iceland, as I mentioned, and the, the use of the Icelandic vistas or what have you is really wonderfully captured. There's a great sense of mood. So it very much fits the realm of a two four genre films, which are things that I tend to like anyway. So uh, and uh, Numi Rapaz, who's the lead actress in the film, who's you know obviously from Girl Dragon Tattoo and what have you, she's very good in a role where she learned Icelandic for this movie. Uh, so oh. it's a it's a it's it's a it's strong effort from her as well as the other main cast members. Um, uh, I, I guess the last thing I want to point out is like you've, we've we've talked about the trailer of this podcast, and most people have seen the trailer because it's pretty memorable. It. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a funny film, but you, you can't not find humor in things that are going on, despite the film playing everything incredibly straight. Like, it's very much never winking at you, but I believe Scott Mendelson last week on the show said it almost feels like it's handled to the point of parody at some points. He's not wrong. It You, you can't not watch this in places and be like, there's nothing here that's funny, because there are things there that are just inherently kind of humorous, given how dour and serious a lot of the film is. So that's Lamb. Uh, speaking of dour and serious, I also saw the movie Antlers. Big animal theme going on in the indie oh. horror world these hmm. days. Yeah. Um, Antlers, um, this is the new film from Scott Cooper, who made a few films, uh, some that we've liked and some that we've appreciated things about, such as Hostiles and um, what's the Christian Bale? Out of the Furnace. Um, this film is very much a horror film. It's produced by Guillermo del Toro. And Abe, unfortunately, it once again follows the patterns of movies that Guillermo del Toro touches but doesn't direct yeah. are not very good. 
Um, it, it is a bummer. great trailer. Great trailer. <sighs> uh, stars Carrie Russell among others. Um, it, it's focusing on the basically the Windigo is like the horror folklore mm-hmm. that it has at its backing. And while there's a number of credible elements, I didn't hate this one by any means. I certainly think it's <clears> like, it's <throat> fine. It just it doesn't really take the premise anywhere that's anything new. And what it does give you, while crafted fairly well, just isn't just isn't very. The execution just doesn't just kind of like lands flat. Is I guess the best way I can put it. So unfortunate uh, because I was looking forward to this one, especially after being delayed for over a year. But uh, yeah, antlers just not not as good as it could be. Bummer. Yeah. All right. And I, 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 Brandon, you've done this too. We've we've been watching a lot of Halloween movies in 4K because Scream Factory released mm-hmm. <laughs> the first five Halloween films in that manner. So that's that's also been on the docket. But I don't need to go over the. We've talked about Halloween movies plenty. And we're going to talk about them next week in a commentary. So we'll, we'll get back and to that. One today. And let alone one today, exactly. So that's enough quickies. Perfect. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. And very fitting of the film that we're talking about today, we are now talking Scream, the fifth Scream film, which is poorly titled just Scream. Uh, this, uh, is it a remake? Is it a sequel? It is very much Scream 5. It still features... Five Scream. Yeah, Scream 5 and... Um, it, scream harder. Scream harder. <laughs> Live free or scream hard. Um, the... The the film is still features Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette, along with uh, Marley Shelton, right? She's also in it too, mm-hmm. returning from Scream Four. Yeah, um, Jack Quaid too. Jack, well, he wasn't in, was he in Scream Four? Uh, I, no. I, I, I just meant as far as oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm yeah, sorry. I just meant as far as returning players. I mean returning. I thought you were just talking about the cast. Yeah, no, I'll get to, I'll get to the cast. I, Patrick I Dempsey is not in it again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but he's he's too handsome. Home. Too handsome. Uh, but the film is I don't know. the film is obviously Wes Craven passed away a few years back at this point. So this film is directed by the Radio Silence team, uh, Matt Matt Bedinelli, Oplin, and Tyler Gillette. They previously directed Ready or Not as well. They they previously contributed to the VHS franchise, Jim. Uh, they they did the amateur or not amateur night. They did the last one in the first film, um, but among other things. But yeah, the they, vampire one. Not that that's the first, that's like a succubus, the first, there's like a one oh. where like a bunch of guys go to like a house party and the house party turns out to be like crazy. That's the one they did. Mm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're the responsible directors this time around. The film is written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, uh, Willie, Kevin Williamson and Aaron Kruger, not involved, it would seem, unless there's maybe some consulting or what have you, but regardless, um, this film Nobody's is... consulting Aaron Kruger. I know. I was saying that to be fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, the film also has plenty of newcomers. Jack Quaid, Dylan Minette, uh, Kyle Gallner, <laughs> Melissa Barrera from In the Heights, um, among others. Uh, it's set 25 years later than, you know, Scream, and... Uh, Ghostface is back, I guess. And based on the trailer, he's going after relatives of past killers or something or other, whatever. But let's talk about this. Brandon, where, where are you with the Scream franchise? Are you looking forward to another one? Yes. I I mean, Scream is huge for me um, when it came out. I was big fan. I was there opening weekend, seeing them multiple times. I was really attached to it. Um, so I, I always I'll take it again. Um with with them so it's weird to ha- have Wes Craven I mean it's impossible to you know 
have Wes Craven be attached to it and stuff. And but um, I did like did like Ready or Not. So that's it's got that kind of going for it. But um, are we talking about the trailer at this point or just Scream? Yes, the, yes, the trailer. Yeah. Oh, the well, I mean, I, well, you asked me where am I at with the yeah, film, yeah, too, I got so a, a general thought and then the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I told you before, like made me realize like I didn't expect to be with a trailer realizing that yeah uh definitely Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson have nothing to do with this because there's like dialogue that's like yep we're past the creators where the particularly the uh I'm Sydney Prescott I always have a gun like well come on and uh the way they have Dewey kind of being like Randy and Courtney Cox looks like she showed up um I don't know um, I'm hoping for the best for this. Um, I'm shocked that they were able to de-age uh, the girl from In the Heights so much because she looks <laughs> she looks way younger, doesn't she? I was like, because she's you know playing an adult in In the Heights and now it's here back in high school. But um, college, I guess it's adult. Yeah, fine, fair enough. Yeah, who's doing it? Uh, I don't know. Um, hope they got some clever stuff they could have fun i don't need another scream legacy sequel we already had one um but yeah it looks i don't know if they're like a team that just waits for kids to have like slasher scenarios and they all gail dewey and sydney show up in town and be like well, this is, we're a team this is what happens and this is what we do and <laughs> it's kind of weird but uh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, overall i can be critical of the trailer but i'll be one of the first to see it so jim how about you are you looking forward to another scream i don't know i've always been a bigger west craven fan than a scream fan i mm-hmm. guess um mm-hmm. if i wanted to put it in a certain way i always thought the big the the part about scream i always enjoyed is when uh back when it tried to uh, subvert the tropes of the genre like before that was like a common thing that you see a lot now um and by doing a legacy reboot with some of the main in cast that's kind of like not it's like perpetuating a trope rather than subverting it <laughs> um i'll probably i'll probably go see it though i mean having said all that because you know I, I i like the premise i like a good horror movie and uh, i'm willing to give it a chance but um it just seems like it's gone like 180 from what it started out as um i'm not as big as a fan of the franchise as i am of some other franchises but mm-hmm. i don't know i'm willing to give it a shot even about you, where were you? Scream movies. Well, as it's well documented on this <laughs> on this podcast, I like Scream Four because I said I thought it was fun. Aaron was very dismissive because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what everybody said here is very valid, which is this is a legacy sequel, and Scream Four kind of had elements of Sidney Prescott. She wasn't really like the the main person in it, but um, I I am I'm not sure if I feel like I have to go see this i will go see this because we're going to probably talk about it but i i certainly am not for everything that brandon mentioned about the plot and how the characters are, are sort of working and what jim mentioned about like the meta aspect of it like the fun thing about scream in 97 was just when you were explaining the rules and you're like oh right he's right yeah all the horror movies do end up like this um and that was fun for it to play out even like the the watch out because there's one last jump scare kind of thing but um, yeah, I I'm not sure. Like the trailer itself is fine. Like it feels as though they're kind of giving away like the Drew Barrymore ish uh, intro in the trailer. But, you know, that was like the first 
five minutes of the of the first movie as well. So I don't know if it's going to be it's probably going to be a hit because Scream is such a known quantity and mm-hmm. Ghostface. Uh, Scream, oh. 4, Scream 4 didn't do well. I mean, Not well? It, it did okay. fine, right. but it well, wasn't like a blockbuster by any means. Well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I am curious about how it's going to perform, how it's going to do, because people seem to like this costume, but I, I don't know how else you can bleed. Well, not bleed, but how, how more you can squeeze from this lemon. If it bleeds, it leads, Abe. Um, Thanks, Arnold. As <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler. Um, I, uh, you, yeah, I, Jim, you actually said it really well. Uh, I like Wes Craven more than I like Scream. Um, I am, I, I like two out of four of these movies. It, but it's not for a lack of wanting to like these movies. I, you know, I. The, the concept of Scream, as far as a, what you were pointing out, being a film that's all about subverting certain aspects and pointing out tropes, like, that's neat to me. And given the the decades that have passed between some of these films, it is interesting to the ideally to see a movie that points out, like, how horror has evolved over the time. Mm-hmm. I None of that seems to be in this trailer, <laughs> so it's like, that's a little disconcerting right there. Now, this is obviously a teaser. There will be something else, I assume, let alone the movie itself that will likely incorporate the kind of hallmarks that you know Scream for. But I, I'm kind of like here or there. Like, on the one hand, I and I agree with you, I liked Ready or Not. And, you know, if we're going to move this franchise on without its, you know, its head those guys you know they they are competent filmmakers and i you know the trailer you know imagery wise the trailer has some neat stuff involving how they use ghost faces so like that's that's fine writing wise i mean that williamson aspect was you know certainly a big part of the first two screams which i think are both really good so not having him it's like again i just want to know i guess what we're trying to tackle here and then Mm -hmm. i just think about well where is horror right now that scream four didn't already try to do because it's not like you can just do, like, torture porn and stuff again. You'd have to do, what, like, social justice thrillers, which I don't know if two white guys are the ones I want equipped to be Trauma, doing that. Trauma exploitation. Trauma exploitation, mm. Me Too era stuff. Like, there's certainly material, like, indie horror, I guess. I don't know how you subvert the expectations unless Scream's just really long and has nothing going on for long stretches of time. But, so I just, I, I'm certainly very curious as to what they plan to, in, you know, beyond just being a film that has these characters back again and a whole set of new, like, younger characters. I want to know, like, thematically what it's trying to go for. This trailer doesn't give me that much. Am I excited for Scream? Well, I mean, we'll talk about it on the podcast, and I'll see it because I, why would I not see it? But in terms of did this did this trailer push me over the edge of, like, oh, my God, I can't wait? No, not really. It's fine. Like it's There are a lot of people really emotional about this trailer, and I was like, I'm not... Am I a bad person? I'm not feeling this. <laughs> we'll put it this way. I've seen the Batman trailer six times now. <laughs> and I've seen the Scream trailer once on my own and then once in the theater where the audience was like, oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot I saw this trailer in the theater, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's, I, I just realized it now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. You didn't see it before Halloween Kills? It was there. Yeah, I forgot yeah. it was there before Halloween Kills. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I didn't because I saw the movie weeks ago with no trailers and then i watched on peacock <laughs> where there's no trailers also so I, peacock. i've not i've not seen scream on uh on a, with, with on the on the big screen yeah I'll, see, I'll tell you, it does look pretty good fun. visually it looks visually pretty good yeah i do screen. yeah there's some cool sure. shadow stuff they can do with the ghost face thing which i think works well yeah. so, visual photographer thank you yeah so but um thanks for having me talk about this aaron it is an honor <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to play a game 
Scrifivimim opens January 14th, 2022. So it's coming in right at the beginning of the year after the... Can it it be a hit and then they make another one and it's called Scream 6, please? (laughs) They're just going to go sequential. No no fun uh, title, please. Well, maybe they'll call call it the final Scream and then they'll call it Scream 7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's actually don't give them any ideas here that's actually what's gonna happen. <laughs> all right uh, so that's that let's move on now let's get to our main review for halloween kills my grandmother was right the boogeyman was real it's over we can't hurt anyone ever again no one told you told me what somebody in there Michael Myers is alive. Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I'm not just gonna sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims. That's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Halloween Kills. When writers David Gordon Green and Danny McBride got the go-ahead from Blumhouse and a blessing from John Carpenter to map out their take on a Halloween sequel, they had a story big enough to initially make two films back-to-back. They stopped short and settled on making the 2018 entry, which went on to land a huge opening weekend at the box office and garner some of the strongest reviews of the series. Halloween Kills and the upcoming Halloween Ends were greenlit very quickly, fairly quickly. A year after being delayed, Halloween Kills picks up exactly where the last film left off. Lori and her remaining family are on their way to the hospital, while Michael finds him, Michael Myers finds himself on a way to escape his fiery tomb thanks to some unlucky firemen. His killing rampage continues while a mob consisting of past survivors and fed-up residents of Haddonfield decide it's time to put an end to Myers for good. Brandon, you are a noted Halloween fan. We have talked about this series on a fairly regular basis. We've done multiple commentaries, and you yourself have done many things Halloween-related for the better part of your life. I want to know, what did you think of Halloween Kills? I liked Halloween Kills. Um, it was a nice extension of the 2018 version or 2018 sequel, which I was. I remember I was on here. I believe we were all just. I, well, we were all. My personal. I was kind of. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like over the moon mm-hmm. about it. Like uh, it seemed to be the narrative. I think a lot of people there was a there was a marketing narrative with that movie that a lot of people just went with and their thoughts were all mob like and the same um, with it, which is, it's a fine movie. It's not perfect, but to me with that one, it was ideas that they were selling it as profound and new and just a bold turn for Halloween that the series had explored multiple times before and better in some aspects. So it wasn't like fresh or new to me, but to a lot of people who just show up when it's popular to go to a new Halloween movie and they don't really like, they don't really pay attention to sequels. I guess it was, um, this one sort of does that, but to me, they took little ideas that had been in place in like Halloween two, Halloween four, and even some of Rob Zombie's Halloween two, 
um, a reflection of how does this affect the town outside of Laurie Strode with Halloween? And this one took those nuggets and fully explored it into a film um, that I found quite interesting. Um, it's very different in the fact that, you know, these aren't, it, it shows what it could do to some people and has some good commentary. Like, it's amazing that this is, you know, Halloween 12th product, the 12th production of a Halloween movie. It's not the 12th in any sort of narr narrative or ongoing thing. And they've found stuff to say. Like the last one, yeah, it went into the Me Too movement and stuff, but it was done before all that um, happened. This one oddly resembles the insurrection of January 6th, but was done, this film was in the can before that even happened. But, you know, mob mentality ideals are always look kind of similar. Um, but this one, I think, had a stronger kind of message on that uh, behalf with that and it kind of also flips the script is michael really chasing people in this movie or are they chasing michael and it's about him trying to get from here to there and they keep getting in the way the people he kills in this movie are like in his way almost um but yeah it just overall when i when i left this movie i felt very similar to when i left rob zombie's second halloween movie Whereas I felt like there's a lot here. I don't know if I got everything out of it in one viewing. And I felt like there's a lot to chew on. And I'm going to be thinking about this one a lot longer than a lot of the other sequels because there was so much in it. Um, and it's so, and I love big swings like this. And even if it doesn't quite connect every single scene, even if this isn't some perfect five-star movie, it's got so much there to chew on a lot of interesting stuff, doing stuff that is challenging the series, um, subverting tropes, expectations while also honoring them. Remembering, I think this David Gordon green and Dan McBride, this, this whole troop has a little, uh, bit too much. Um, Hey, remember Halloween type, stuff in them and it's still here it's not as bad as the last one where it was like an easter egg every shot but um it's kind of the weakness in it but i really felt it was a lot of different stuff um still feeling halloween still feeling michael myers and just um really challenging and making a different movie um and i always will like that as a fan I, in my fandom for me i'm always a huge film fan so make me a good film and when it comes to like my phantom of a franchise i want to be challenged not pandered to and i guess that's not what most fandom wants um with things but that's what i personally look for is to be challenged instead of pandered to but that's a little bit for me powerful words Power uh, <laughs> um no, well well stated uh jim deets I am aware yep, sir. you are a large fan of John Carpenter. Uh, you I have am. plenty I'm of things six to say. Five, yes, you, you, are, yes, you, are, you are a large man, and John Carpenter also <laughs> enters into your atmosphere. But all, I, um, I am less aware of how big are you are on the Halloween franchise in, in particular, uh, given his you know involvement there, but not frequently throughout the entire series. So I'm curious, where are you with like Halloween on a kind of general basis with that franchise, and what did you think of this film? Well, you can go to Naptown Nerd, uh, <laughs> yeah. Brandon Peters' uh, <laughs> nice, uh, website, 
and you could read an entire uh, essay I wrote about Halloween and what it meant to me uh, being the first movie that actually scared the pants off me uh, at a tender age. So uh, Halloween, the original Halloween, is one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, on top of John Carpenter being one of my favorite directors in this period of all time, of of that period, I'm sorry. Um, I enjoyed Halloween Kills. On the positive side, it was leaner on their characterization and more emphasis on the actual, like, slasher aspect of it, which reminded me more of the original movie than the first entry in this. Um, It was very much focused on more on the kills and the actual um, like, like deepening of the characters. A lot of it was aftermath from the first movie. And I wished I had watched the first Green and McBride movie immediately before this, because it goes, it's like, it, there's no, there's no stop. It goes directly from the end of that one into this one. And um, I liked, I liked, I, I had a lot of um, style choices. I was surprised by some really interesting uh, shots uh, staging and uh, and just uh, uh, cinematography and photography really that kind of surprised me. Um, that was out of the realm of that kind of thing. Um, the the comedy was less in this one than in the earlier uh, Green and McBride uh, entry as well. But I enjoyed it overall. I um I didn't expect to see as much Anthony Michael Hall in this movie as I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there it is. Um, I really liked the, the the way they did the flashback sequences, like that subtle. I don't know if they did the film grain different or the lighting or some sort of filter on it. It's some interesting, the, yeah. It's a combination. Yeah, of it was things. great. Yeah, yeah. I really blew me away. I'm just like this looked like it looked like it was filmed in the 70s, and it really distinguished itself from the the modern day stuff. Um, uh, on the negative side, it seems like a bridge movie in a trilogy, which it is. Um, it seems like it has like less of a complete, you know, beginning, middle of end, and end than the first movie did, which it does. Um, I mean, and I mean, I, those are you know basically nitpicks, I guess. Um, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, um, victims suffer from you know slasher movie uh, brain disease where they make you know lethally stupid decisions but that comes with the genre i mean you can't you know expect that not to happen with this kind of movie uh i agree with brandon i liked the little um uh aside there into mob mentality and that whole uh take on that really uh good way to put that into the story and kind of make a statement about that i like the performances overall um, I just I, I thought it was good. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first entry from Green and McBride, but I did enjoy it, and it's make, it made me look very much forward to the the third movie, especially the way they left uh, the ending in this one. Okay, Abe, where are you with all of this Halloween? Yeah, business? with Halloween Kills, it's an interesting thing because uh, it, it certainly felt like a stepping stone movie to get to the third. Like overall, I'm actually like fine with it. Like not. Ultra negative. I've I've read some of the reviews where like it's it's a hell of a mess. And it's like um there's a lot of ideas in this movie like what Brandon was talking about and there's a lot of like interesting things that they were doing with characters like they talked about PTSD and we talked about this in the first 2018 one as well with Laurie Strode and in this one it's like well how does it affect the rest of Haddonfield because we can't just like center like Brandon you said it very eloquently when you're saying like when movies kind of uh. Some movies tend to like circle around in what you know, and then if you were to take it and elevate it to something that you hadn't thought about before, that kind of gives it some some bonus points too. So we sort of talked about this with Scream just you know 30 minutes ago, um, but I, I think that this movie it has actually really like 
it's interesting because I think it's like <laughs> for 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 whatever reason, it's like this is the most Michael Myers esque movie that I, that I feel uh, in the recent years because he's kind I'm of like, the oh. second lead here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, like I, I feel as though it's like, am I misunderstanding Michael? And and then at some point I'm also just like, I was rooting for Michael, and I'm like, I, this is a weird feeling that I'm I'm getting in this movie, but I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna see where it takes me. I I certainly feel as though there there were a lot of how do I say this? There there were a lot of like callbacks, references, as well as like the typical um audience uh audience i don't want to say pandering but audience uh fan service yeah fan, fan service, service thank fan you service, yeah. like the, the no audience problem. fan service in this movie so there there's it's not as though you're going to go into this movie and be like oh well david gordon green and, and uh danny mcbride took this in a completely different direction no it the, i mean you're going to see things from halloween 3 and you're going to see references from or you're going to feel references of the curse of michael myers and whatever else too it just exists in this 2018 world do i think that it stands up to the 2018 one no i think the 2018 one is a, it's like a solid movie i rewatch it after i watched this one um and for whatever it's worth like they are dealing with things it's just that it's clunky in some of the execution so I, I like the idea of the mob mentality. I actually just didn't like that it all took place only like in one part of the town, which is the hospital and two streets that I saw. Um, but at a certain point, I was just thinking to myself, well, you know, Paranorman kind of did this a little bit better. But that was like one of the only central conceits that, that that Paranorman movie had, which is when we get too crazy, we get riled up and we start to lose our way. And this one has a lot of other things that are in the mix, in the brew. So... Did I think as though the characters were wasted and useless and whatever else? No, because they all serve their purpose. I was telling Aaron uh, pre this call last week that I was kind of bummed out that I saw a, a later trailer because it kind of reveals that there are some characters in this movie that are remnants of the past. And I was like, oh, that was a bummer. It would have been nice to see that. However, Aaron, to his credit, was just like, you know, there's some other things in this movie. So you're not really it, it's not too much of of a spoiler to tell you that. Tommy is there, or um, uh, Kylie, I forget her character's name, um, is there. Well, those Lindsay are like casting there. announcements before they're even a trailer. Was yeah. yeah, and and I wouldn't have paid attention to that as much. But, you know, for the most part, there's some interesting choices they do make. I think, Brandon, you were talking about this maybe uh, earlier, where it kind of just take a, a 180 turn. Like, maybe we should look at are we chasing Michael Myers or is he chasing us? Cause I don't know what it is. Like I actually really appreciate that. Some people as many times as they discuss, like there's three times that they discuss who Michael Myers is in monologue. They're all true. And yet some of them have a different effect than others. I mean, the one where it's like, he's the child of a six or the brain of a six year old in a man's body with like an animal mentality. It's like, and then the other one where Anthony Michael Hall is just like, he's an apex predator made me laugh, but um, they're all true. Uh, and so I, I, I did like what they were doing here. I also like that they did something very modern, which is let's go back to the Myers house and somebody bought it and renovated it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like for the most part, it was a fun movie. There are some problems with it. 
but I, I certainly do like that there's a Michael Myers that I appreciated a lot more. Like, I, I liked seeing him go ham on some of these people, the firefighters, the townspeople. I actually really like this park sequence where he you have an extended walking sequence. And I was like, oh, that, that was kind of that's creepy. That's fun. At one point, I thought he was going to camp Crystal Lake on me. But no, he doesn't do that. Um, so it's a fine uh, entry into this trilogy. I am just really waiting for Halloween Kills now. It ends. Uh, Halloween ends. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm... I guess we're all in the we liked it camp and certainly feel like there are elements that could be better. Um, I like this movie well enough. I think it, I honestly think it will grow with me over time just because I'll have distance from it as far as, you know, how this kind of thing sort of goes when it first comes out and you have to think about every other movie in respect to it or whatnot. And you can kind of get more to the core ideas it has for it. One of the things I appreciated a lot about this movie is also one of the things I find the most problematic. It's the fact that the first film while there's this kind of girls get it done aspect that comes in at the end, it seemed like the movie wanted to champion the idea that that's been the whole movie when it's like, that's really just kind of like the final minutes. And even then it's pretty flimsy. This movie really, and you know, as far as like a thematic way to go, like that's, that's fine. It's just, it doesn't feel like that film was really informed by it. This film is very much informed by the themes it's going for, which is yes, attacking the kind of the mob mentality and, exploring the ideas of the system failing the people that's a fascinating thing to tackle especially in a movie that was filmed in 2019 uh, given (laughs) things that happen um but my problem is largely that anthony michael hall just can't carry this um i think he's a fine actor but i do not think that he was either i just don't think he was strong enough for what the role was giving him whether it's mm-hmm. be just because just that he wasn't up to task this time around or the writing failed him. I don't know if it was the writing. It's kind of the writing. But regardless, I just I don't think he was able to carry the weight that was required for this whole segment of the film to, you know, make a make a difference. Uh, and I guess, yeah, it does come down to scripting at points because there's a lot of cringy dialogue as far as how to, like, really hammer the home home the points where some horror films are just better about their subtleties or alluding to things without directly saying it. This one says it right on the nose, which is not, again, not inherently bad, but when it's handled certain ways, it can be good. When it's handled other ways, it's less good. And that just kept kind of sticking with me because I think so much around, so much around that is very good. We've talked about characterization a bit. Jen, uh, Jamie Lee Kern is not in this movie too much, but when she is, she interacts larger with either Judy Greer's character or another character that returns for this film. And I would say that's really good stuff and it allows for good character development, which I think mm-hmm. will help in the preceding film. Um, the Michael Myers aspect of this, it's funny how much I've talked about nothing but not horror things. The Michael Myers aspect involving, you know, bloody murders, and brutal deaths, and everything in between, those two very similar statements, um, are very good and very brutal. And find the really solid balance between this is fun that I'm at a horror movie and I really feel bad for these people. And mm-hmm. that's surprisingly where I think the writing is strongest. Uh, because, it, you know watching a, a you know an un, uh, an eyeless murderer bluntly kill somebody it's not pleasing you don't feel like they deserved it ever necessarily but at the same time david gordon green and dan mcbride and their other writer they have another writer involved um uh, teams 
Um, the little bits that they give some of these small parts that just are people that get murdered by Michael are effective enough for I'm very they become very empathetic. Uh, there's an old, there's an elderly couple early on where you spend, you know, two minutes with them max, but that amount of time and the work from those character actors, it's effective. It's effective where I like, I don't want to see this happen yet. You kind of do cause you're there for it. That applies even more so when you get to two more prominently featured characters, a, a gay couple that go by big John and little John, um, <laughs> where would they become kind of the most entertaining characters in the film for like a good while. And, it's all of that stuff that I think adds together to make for, from a horror film perspective, effective stuff. Like, I, we've already pointed this out a little bit, but, you know, but given the reviews, which are more negative than the previous film, which had strong reviews, I, I just wonder what the expectation is supposed to be. And I think, as I've kind of grappled with that over the weeks that I've seen this film at this point, knowing that there already was less than positive buzz early on, I wonder if it's this nostalgia thing that we guys we've already mentioned. I wonder if that was so much of a comfort in the last movie, where now that that's kind of worn off, it's you're getting basically the same movie. You just don't have this blanket of nostalgia wrapped around you to comfort you as you see terrible things happen to people. Now, I do think the movie has issues involving the mob stuff, as I already mentioned. But I think that 2018 film has issues also as well. There's a whole third act turn that happens that just I've seen the movie plenty of times since is not good. Like it just it's not a so it's like. There's not a ton here that seems like it's all that different from what the other film did. Um, but I do think it's ambitious in what it's trying to do for the 12th entry in a horror franchise. And that goes a long way for me. If I'm going to see the 12th Halloween film, like Brandon, you've said, I'd rather see something new going on. And it's something that has ideas, something that's trying to push in a new direction than just see the same old thing again. So while it's flawed, there's certainly plenty here to like. And we can get into all of that. But yeah, I, I like this movie. I'll probably like it more over time. And the things that I like about it, I really like about it. Yeah, I would agree with you that like I think it, it was worth a second rewatch. I haven't I, I thought about it after I came back from the theater. I was like, should I just get it on Peacock right now and watch it again immediately? Because there was a lot to unpack and I, I wouldn't be surprised if a second time around or a third time around, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the pieces are fitting much better. Now that I've cleansed myself of the initial watch, <laughs> I, I, I mm. sorry, I'll just I'll just real just because there's nothing. I'll just say because I watched it. I saw it the first time Beyond Fest a few weeks ago, but I saw it the <laughs> second time on I watched it on Peacock because just it was convenient and I had it. I will just say for for the sake of Peacock, it was a very easy experience. I logged on, put it on, no pauses, no buffering. I watched it opening night or whatever, very easy. So good for you, Peacock. You, go. you did a good job. Good job, Peacock. No I, I was so. regarding Anthony Michael Hall, and um, I think a lot of maybe expectations for um, fans or whatever coming in with the return of uh, yeah, Kyle Richards and Nancy Stevens and stuff. Were I don't think the movie's point, and I don't think the movie wants you to like these people. I, I think they're trying to show the tragedy of these people and what monsters they themselves can become. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Anthony I, Michael Hall's character totally has PTSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, That's and, what I got from it. I mean, he's totally suffering. And it's an extension of what I think a point was missed on the previous film mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not about Michael and Lori anymore. It's not about Tommy, but Tommy Doyle thinks it is he thinks there is a reason and it drives mm-hmm. home nuts and creates all this because these people can't get answers and they think there's if the, and the thing the sad thing is um 
just imagine what their night is like if they stay home. Right. So, uh, I, I, I don't think, I think the people are, Oh, they're bringing back Tommy Doyle they're bring back this. And then they turn out to be the people in this movie that they are going against an expectation of, Oh, they're, you know, Tommy's going to be back. We're going to, and it turns out to be the ugly truth of what happens when people themselves try to be vigilantes and heroes and stuff. And Tommy Doyle is actually like, he kind of feels like an extension of like a Fox news or a Newsmax or something. Because the way he loudmouths and creates mm-hmm. uh, and paranoia and fear well, within the and, people and uses that as a weapon to weapon to, exactly. to turn people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's like it's, it's pretty fascinating just the way that Lori is kind of giving that monologue uh, over what's happening on the scene, and then she's talking about how fear is actually what drives Michael Myers. And I'm sorry, fear is like what what you feel when you think about Michael Myers, and that's like his greatest weapon. And it's like, yeah, exactly what you're just saying, Brandon. Like who's driving all the fear right now? It's Anthony Michael Hall's character being like this, uh, this guy who survived this attack, you know, 40 years ago. I, I yeah, was but... granted to, to to your point. Like I agree with. I don't think you're directing this at me, but I agree with you as far as that's what he represents. I just I wish the movie was better at handling this. Like, that's I, fair. I, I think it, I think it's a great. Con- sure. I, I honestly think it's a great concept, especially given how it runs parallel to the times that we're living in. That seems very. Mm-hmm obvious as far as what it's trying to it, do not obvious in a bad way but obvious yeah. as far as like if you're going to incorporate today's the temperature of, of, of today's climate like that's a cool way to do it and again all the more relevant given that this was made before this year it was haunting to watch when you're <laughs> yes. like this was made yeah. a couple of years ago not yeah. like like so you could not have been informed at all by that if you're like, going to tell me that halloween kills was going to be the one of the more prescient films of the year i you know <laughs> I, I i'd be surprised but but like i i i so want like you mentioned now you've mentioned not only hall but also yes kyle richard says Lindsay Wallace and Nancy Stevens comes Stevens, back as, yeah. as Marion Chambers, and you have a new act. You have Robert Longtree playing an adult Lilani. Uh Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that I, I that's as I said, it's the both. It's the it's good. I it's good idea stuff, but I just think not the best execute. Now I will say it yeah, it varies. Same. Like I do, I think actually Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace. That's which is. I don't watch the Real Housewives. I've just been made aware recently that, that she's on that. Like she grew, she went, she made the original movie and grew up to become a Real Housewives. So like, okay, what is that? True? Yeah, yeah, she's no, one yeah, of the, she's no one of the, she, she and I think she has like That's a sister. True. They're like both Real Housewives. I just thought that she like lived a quiet life and then was like, no, yeah, sure, I'll come back. No, she's by movie. default probably yeah. one of the more popular members of this <laughs> cast. <laughs> like, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, but like the stuff involving her because she seems less, I don't know, vilified <laughs> than, than Tommy Doyle has become. Like her stuff is just straight suspense movie stuff, and it's I think it, I think that stuff works. Why somebody would choose to hide from a killer that walks very slowly, I don't know. But regardless, <laughs> I, uh, I think the if you're gonna make a horror movie involving the past characters again, I think the stuff that they put her and Nancy Stevens Nancy Stevens doesn't have much to do beyond waste bullets. But I mean the stuff that they <laughs> they're involved she got in. A, she had a great line before she goes. Sure. This is for Doctor Loomis. Like that stuff, I think is more effective just because it's not bogged quirk, down quirk. by like giving them the, the weight of what they're trying to put onto Tommy Doyle's character. The other one that I, I feel I will is, say. Oh. There's real. There's one more thing. The, the one person I also think is not served very well is Charles Cyphers as oh no as, as, as bracket. He feels very way forced, too nostalgic. Very way, forced like, to the point of he gives another signature line that's the most eye-rollingly thing you'd want to hear right before things happen. Well, and his entrance, <laughs> yeah. his entrance is so fan fictiony. Like, and they go to the hospital, and who overhears but security guard bracket? Yeah, <laughs> tired from the. <laughs> 
That shot of him, too, you know, he's, like, perking up his ears, like, huh? It's yeah. unfortunate because you have Omar Dor- Dorsey back as the sheriff, as cowboy sheriff. And uh-huh. I was like, well, this would be really fun if you actually had those characters interacting in some way, but the movie just doesn't know it how to do use them. them. Like, we still get nothing out of cowboy sheriff. Who I That's very right. Part of it is you get a sad look yeah. on his face. Yeah. I, it's short-changed, but I think part of that short change is to build on the madness. Like, it just, it's mm-hmm. aggravating, but, like, it's it's a lot of just madness. And it, it almost feels like within, like, because a lot of takes place in the hospital once once again uh but it's it feels like, like halloween it's, too. it's a it feels like it's trying to anti-halloween 2 by filling up with the hospital with as many people as possible compared to halloween 2 where it was like always complained about being this empty hospital and now you have like the most full right. the most full and well-lit hospital too like halloween mm-hmm. 2 is a very dark movie so. right it's yeah. dark in the 70s or in the early 80s. Well, it's the late hours. And, you know, you don't generally <laughs> have was. a mass murderer on the list. It never bothered me when I first had seen it till someone pointed. I'm like, well, I, I guess so. There's just babies and Laurie Strode there, huh? But it's the a small town. What, what are they expecting? The hospital is like feel more scary than most hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think also just to kind of uh, stare back to something that you mentioned, Aaron, when I was thinking about what you were talking about. Uh, Jim, you're mentioning like, well, you know, a lot of the characters fall into like movie horror movie tropes, which is like, oh, I'm, I'm fumbling the gun now. And, oh, I, I've lost the ability to run or think logically. And I didn't fault it. I, I thought it was like, kind of hilarious. And I thought it was kind of like it is what it is because that's what I was expecting. But I maybe some people thought, well, 2018's Halloween was much smarter than this. And yet here we are with. Lonnie deciding to like break up with his team and and be like you guys wait here while I go into the house by myself. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, not everything is going to be 2018's Halloween where you only have three characters, three central characters, maybe Ray with uh with the fourth and I guess Michael Myers. There, so I mean, five. there are, there are very dumb moves made in this movie. It, there like, there really are. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not discounting that, but I also accept that these are those types of movies. You know what I mean? Like these but, movies are the types of movies that would do something like that where let me go and do something incredibly dumb like what you're mentioning with um kylie richards character where it's like let me just like stop at the banks of a creek but i accept that as paul part of the showing how dumb taking it into your own hands and the mob violence is and yes. how the good guy with the gun type things like aren't good well, and people think they're heroes and see themselves in this situation as something that it completely not and well, yeah people I, I I agree with you. It's again, it comes down to I wish the movie did a better job of establishing that for me. Like Lonnie doesn't seem like the guy that, from what I saw from this movie. Lonnie, it didn't position him as a person that's like this guy feels like he's the one that's going to get it done. Like that's the kind of thing he would put in his mind. But that's yeah, that's just well, my that's my takeaway. The thing, thing that got me was they kept breaking up into small groups and like, okay, yes. what are you going to do if you run into him? There's like two of you. There's three of you, right? Yeah. What are you going to do if you run into Michael? I mean, you're like a dog chasing a car and then catching it and not know what to do with it, right? Right. Um, but as uh, as far as like the, the, the slasher movie tropes or whatever, I mean, you know that going into a Halloween movie, I would think. Like you go sure. to a superhero movie, you're, you exactly. know people are going to do things that people can't do, you know? Or you go into this movie, you know people are going to get killed by Michael Myers. If they didn't, you would probably want your money back. Um, <laughs> the other thing I will say is, I think the uh, the Imperial Army from Star Wars hires all of its stormtroopers from Haddonfield. <laughs> not one of these people can hit the broadside of a barn with a bullet if they threw it at it. <laughs> they tried. I know, I, I know, but they're just shooting wildly off they the They had like, good intentions. Like, 
<laughs> Every single one of them that had a gun was just like shooting wildly at nothing. I'm just like, oh my god. Here's well, anyway. I, I and then also... the, uh, the playground sequence that you're talking about, where where she hides from Michael or whatever, that wasn't even the dumbest part of that sequence. The dumbest part happened in the car. I won't go into it. I don't want to spoil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would agree. Yeah. A, a lot of dumb things happen in that car. Let me. I, I, but, I mean, you have to have a certain. I'm sorry. You have to have a certain level of suspension of disbelief when you go right. into a movie like this. Yeah. And well, to, to fault it, to fault it for having those tropes is one thing. But I, I agree with the point that was made earlier about 2018 had a really good way of kind of twisting those tropes and not, you know, falling into them as hard as this one does. I also think this movie is going to benefit a lot more when all three movies are out and you can watch them all in one piece. I think I'm going to like this a lot more then when I see it as more of a connective tissue between the first and third. That's, that's hoping a, they get the third right. That's, a, well, that's, yeah. something I, that's something I meant to point out. I agree with you entirely, Jim. I do think that this movie, it, it, based off how where it ends up, I am it has me vastly curious as to what the third movie is going to be. And right. I, I, I'm aware that it's not just picking up where this one leaves off immediately like this one does. So I just I, I have nothing. I have no idea what to expect, and that does excite me. Yeah, I I gotta say it too with the tropes and stuff like that, like and falling into slasher things. But this is, I mean, one, it's twelfth installment of guy with knife stabs people and uh-huh. can't get stopped by bullets. So what were you like? All these people looking at realism things, and also why can't it be that way? There's so many people that love 1980 slashers. These are the best. Oh, this this, and then when a modern one comes around, does similar things. It's just the end of the world and it's not allowed like i don't understand how it's allowed in probably objectively like lesser made films than this one um not saying your preference is one or the other but it's doing the same thing as those ones you do love and you forgive for faults but this one can't be it's like it's yeah and and what i mentioned earlier like these aren't it's their kills here and they're quite graphic and gory (laughs) like there's a guy that gets stabbed like multiple times it's just a dead body at that point and you're just like oh my gosh like but i think that's that's actually something that i I give some kudos for not that particular killing but i give kudos to this halloween kills installment for being like hey you know you guys have seen michael throw a skate in joseph gordon levin's face but what if i showed you how he did it (laughs) it's like that's kind of that again like this goes to brandon's your point i'm just like show me something new it's like um, i know that michael has been Murder Scare. I haven't seen the zombie the zombie movies, the Rob Zombie movies. I'm sure that they're graphic as well. But they are um, quite yeah, brutal, I was just yes. like, I'm glad that you are are giving me something like instead of filling my life with a whole bunch of like, oh well, there's dead bodies up and down the street now, and I don't know how it happened, but like, uh, it's more just like, hey, here's a very terrible thing that's gonna happen. You're gonna see how he does it, and kind of kind of realize that he is this intense killer. And you should be scared of him. And I'm gonna add to the mythology about it. So that that was, you know, to cap off what Brandon you're mentioning about, like you can't expect it to have these fun tropes and then be mad that, oh, there's like a lot of dead bodies that that pile up and um, and you're expecting a, a much more like semi-serious movie. It's like, I don't know what you want then. I want to talk about Michael and Gordon Green's direction a little bit more because I do I, think, I would love to because I do think beyond the you know the kills aspect is great. The that image of Michael walking out of that flaming house with that axe in his hand, just like putting like just whacking it in his hand, looking at the other firefighters being like, yeah. bring it on. 
that's some like iconic Michael Myers shit right there. Like it's really yeah, cool. I, like that I love stands the way up. That his, his jumpsuit is like Agreed. kind of wet, but it looks kind of waxy too. It, it's some. It's, like it's, this is great. It's the kind of thing where when you like put Michael, you know, when you reference Halloween and put like stills in, like that's an easy one to pull from in the future. Like it's such right. a cool shot of him and such a like it. You know, there's no part of me that's thinking he's an antihero, but it certainly makes him look pretty badass in like that opening shot of like let's get Miles Michael Myers back into the world and here it is. <laughs> Really? Walking out in front of a flaming house, axe in hand, just ready to tackle eight yeah. people that are looking at him. <laughs> well, I was stunned I even by his, uh, like, the 1970s Michael. Like, yeah. it looked genuine. It looked and yeah. moved and felt like I was stunned. Like, I was just like, this looks like almost could be cut from Carpenter's movie look. Like, it doesn't, I don't think it necessarily those scenes look like they could have been shot by John Carpenter, but there's something with Michael that looks like they plucked him from that and dropped him in their movie. Like it was <laughs> stunning. That, that scene you're talking about, Aaron, um, there were a few cuts in that scene that were from like the inside of the firefighter helmet. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Like from behind the goggles. And I found that just those little interspersed cuts, very effective in that scene Yeah. of conveying that, that kinetic mm-hmm. action. That was that was really, uh, really well yeah. done. As, I, as, sort of what I was mentioned earlier, totally. there's like long takes of Michael killing people. So you're like, oh, yeah, he's a, this is really str- I don't know how he learned like knife kata or axe kata, but he's really good at it. I mean, and, the there the the flaming house provides some wonderful silhouettes of him just doing destruction yeah. on it, like with that razor with that buzzsaw. Like, oh, my God, it's just right. really I, I'd also it's really it's, add it's that, really evo- it's really evocative visuals. And I, I, I think, yeah. it's you know, if you. There are plenty of things we can talk about as far as the writing of this film and the human characters, but in terms of mm-hmm. Michael, you know, the, the the key stuff that most people are coming to see this movie for, which is why I had a $50 million opening weekend, it very much delivers on that. Totally. Right. And, M- I, Michael I mean, John awesome. Wick Myers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's really good with any weapon, literally. Um, the, yeah, the, the thing I want to mention from that scene is that I liked how we were talking about like nuances and whatever else. Those firefighters are not just standing there. You see them gearing up for a fight, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they're holding their axes. The guy with the hose tries to spray Michael, and it just yeah. doesn't work. He probably should have taken a step back or two. Like, that wasn't he really... should have. He, he, he really, probably like, should have realized, you know, this this water plant isn't really working right now. <laughs> yeah, but I just like how... Because I thought the same thing. I was like, hey, those that's like a high-pressure hose. You should try and, like, spray somebody with it. And maybe maybe, maybe like, he went for the crotch. Maybe that would have helped. <laughs> but I, I take I him out like lower center of gravity, take him out the knees. Yeah. Right <laughs> so, um, I also want to talk about some of the comedy in this movie. Well, we'll get uh, there. We get there. Let's let. Oh. I, want, I want to get back to the because you mentioned the Brandon, you mentioned the flashbacks, and Jimmy brought them yeah. up earlier as well. But like, yeah, there is a particularly in the opening. There's an extended prologue essentially for this film that focuses on 1978 Haddonfield and the night that Michael the the night he came home the first time. Um, I agree with you, like, in terms of the the way Michael's depicted, I think, is really, it feel it exactly feels like he's plucked out. But, among other things, Jim Cummings shows up in that, yeah, that opening sequence, which was, like, a delightful Guess thing to see. Guess what he's playing? Another cop. Another cop. But it was such a, like, I had such a big smile on my face when Jim Cummings showed up. And it was such a nice, like, piece of business right there. And here's something that, um, that you may, uh, um, <laughs> we, we've kind of mentioned that I, I guess we kind of like ran over this without saying it but i mean obviously we're getting into plot details of this movie and we're not going to keep we're not going to spoil like where everything goes but there is like a key character that i think 
is important and I want to reference him, but there's the, the Will Patton character from the first film from the pre the 2018 film who plays Frank Hawkins. Something I remember that you said, Brandon, back on our 2018 review um, is that Will Patton's character feels like someone that was a legacy character. Like he just fits in like that's how good the role mm-hmm. is. Right. And, and the, uh, Will Patton himself. Yeah. Will Patton. Yeah. That's what, yeah, his performance. Like he just seems like a guy that could have easily been in Carpenter's film and just happened to be involved in this one. I, I was very happy that we see him in the past. Like, we get a, mm-hmm. He's played by Thomas Mann. Uh, we, we get the young version of Frank Hawkins, uh, which I think goes a long way as far as developing his side of things and then seeing him in the future since he survives uh, and is involved in the, this film to the extent that he is with, uh, with, with uh, Laurie Strode's uh, in, in their role. Like, it was just... It's neat elements like that. And again, Jim. Plus Cummings, his side, his side thing with that, he has a side story that goes on like, parallel to that too, about what he himself is dealing with, not only with what Mike Myers did, but what he did himself. Right? Yes. If, so if, that works out well. If anything, not that it's a necessity, and maybe they even tried this, but I wonder what it would have been like if they kind of interspersed those flashbacks throughout the film. You know what I mean? Like, I guess Lost style. Like, if we got pieces mm-hmm. of that. I, I, or Godfather Two yeah. ish. Or Godfather Two ish. Yes, one of those classics, Lost or The Godfather Part Two. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like I wonder if like if we eventually got up to the reveal of what happened in the like when he encounters Michael. I wonder if that would have made any kind of difference as far as where that story was going. I will say for being dead twenty five years, Donald Pleasance looked remarkably good. He looks yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever he's eating, the Tom Brady diet or whatever. I gotta get on it. They, yeah, so. so we get it. We get some. We get some seventy-eight Loomis in this. They can't quite get the voice of of Donald Pleasance down, can they? That seems to be too tough. No, it's a little too. <laughs> no. Yeah, a little too tough. It's a little, um, a little too big for like how they're yeah. doing yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Donald's is more reedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I will say that was something from uh, the script cutting room floor for uh, the last though. one they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I won't say anything. But um. I do like how there's three points in this movie where like the, the opening with the firemen we talked to mm-hmm. um, Michael's surrounded by a gang or a mob and it happens here. It, I mean, it happens like uh, it's something in the flashback and there's something later in the movie, but it was a common occurrence right. that he of his like it was it was weird. To see that, and it was done three times in yeah. three different. There's some deliberate visual parts. symmetry going on there. I, I yeah, think you see that. Yeah, but the yeah the flashback, uh, inter- like a lot of the people, like you can't really call it revisionist at all. It's only like a bit revision. Well, it doesn't. There's no revisionist anything really. Yeah, I mean, it, it follows like, the it follows the plot line of 78, changed, 2018, yeah. 2021. Like it, yeah, it, right. it, it changes nothing of the original film. There's no there's no change to that. It yeah, only it, it may slightly alter what you know from the previous film they did. But it's, there's it, no. It, it's an extension of the original film to apply to this current narrative. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah. And it does nothing that Loomis wouldn't have done. Like. For sure. From 78. Like, it feels very... Oh, oh. You don't get a whole lot of Dr. Loomis. But, yeah, he's not, but, yeah, he's not doing his tight five get, in this movie. <laughs> he's just in two scenes. Yeah, you get, a, <laughs> you get a key thing, and it, it feels at home with what he would have been like that night. Yeah, so. I mean, you'd already, you'd already seen what he had done earlier in the other Halloween installment, so it doesn't change that. I, I, I also want to add, in terms of, like, uh, Easter eggs again. Hey, great! That's what happened to Annie's dog. <laughs> so, 
yeah, what? there's Annie's like, dog. No, that's a different dog. That's, no, that's the, a oh, different, was dog. different dog. No, because oh, yeah. there's a line in the original where 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 um Bracken and, and Loomis find right. a dead dog in there that's been that he's been eating, and that's that's oh. the that's the dog. That's not Annie's dog, who is another German. That's what I like Jim Cummings' line. It's like, I found a dead dog in here. What'd you say? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Um, Jim Cummings' delivery is so great. He is. So. so let's get on to the comedy. And before we get to some of the bigger comedy players, I'll just mention little Jabrail Tambu, who played Julian in the first film, The Young Boy That Escaped. He has just a little tiny cameo in this film, and all I'm thinking is, we need more Julian. So I hope he comes yeah, back at Halloween ends, because he was too. he was a little star that for that 2018 movie. Like I yeah. was like, get me this kid immediately. But uh, he did have a you know he had a fun little line in the, in this one. I but, like the old photo of PJ Souls as well that they stuck in there for a news clip did when you they were no- going over. Did you notice that they had as as uh, as Bob her boyfriend? It was Bob Odenkirk. It's Bob it? Odenkirk is his boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they put him in the wig, the glasses. Oh, that's Bob Odenkirk. Uh, so yeah, there's a. Hey, what do you want to say about the comedy in this film? I was gonna say like, there's definitely a Dylan. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Danny McBride touches to this because there's like mean comedy here, uh, especially for like three little pissant kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they get what there's coming from. I would love to hear more about how they sort of intersperse some comedy from you guys. But I, I just comedy. I was thinking more of like, it's kind of funny when you think about what Michael is doing in between these things that he's in between these killings. So when he's over at big John and little John's house, I just laughed to myself when there's like a knock at the back door and I guess he just sprints to the front door and just knocks there too. And then he sprints back to the back door to go upstairs. I mean, something it's, I've said constantly is that Michael loves Halloween. Why? Yes, because he, he loves, loves tricks. He loves pranks. Yeah. He's such a little yeah. prankster. Like every yeah. like, think of all these movies. He's always setting up headstones and bodies to like pop out at random times, or putting people on a merry-go-round with masks on their faces. He just loves the holiday season. Or he made like the, the real cop <laughs> jack o' lantern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He loves or and or so like, or like, when dude, or when we. Like, to, to think about the time that he takes to do this is like gotta hollow got it out. Really yeah. craft here. When he when he see, when we see what happens to two characters, where we see a yeah. photo of them and then we see their bodies. It's like, yeah. Not only that, <laughs> he decides to play a record. Yeah, there's so much little things. Michael's just a little he's, stinker. That's that's what. And you know, he brought he brought masks for the kids. Yeah, he's in <laughs> masks of their own at the playground. He was so cool. I mean, he brought them the silver silver shamrock masks. He exactly. loves the holidays. Very, very thoughtful that's, of him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, how Michael is such like a, a like a hilarious <laughs> guy at times. Where I was like, you know what? If you weren't doing this, you could totally work at Michael's, the the craft store, and be really good at the displays. Um, so we'll get back to Big John, Little John in one second. One other like little thing that just made me laugh, and also ties into the first one. There's this couple that we see in the first film for like half a second that they're on their way to go somewhere, yeah. and my and like the the woman stops because she's looking at Michael essentially. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah. yeah, it's a really cool. It's part of that long shot sequence in that first film, which is really great. Um, so they're like they're like supporting characters in this movie. They're like at the bar that we're like that they're at this time around. And there's a point where they go outside to go to their car, and like Michael's maybe in the back seat of the car, and the woman gets out of the car and she runs to her boyfriend. It's like you gotta go look. He's like go look. That's one of the funniest things I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, like I, I think one of the things with Abe with the why the comedy stuff. Like, I think McBride and David Gordon Green realized these movies have a lot of randos. And people that are not service 
strongly from the script, but if you make them funny, it feels like they have a it hand it, it hints at more depth to them. Sure, uh, gets you on their side a bit more, yeah. uh, and it, it makes you feel bad when they go. And that's it's just an easy way rather than what's going on. I don't know. Okay, yeah, what we're doing? Right. Let's get killed. The elderly couple that Michael offs is a good example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. have just this nice, like, comedic moment before they get attacked. It kind of sets their character up in a comedic and light way, and then all the shit hits the fan part of my front. Yeah. And it's not like that's it's a, not like they're jokes. I mean, they're just people being yeah. people. Like, yeah, that's the key to people, it. And you you kind of grow to know them a little bit, and that's kind of how I felt about Julian's babysitter in the first one, where it's like, man, that sucks because she was cool, and yet here we are. And again, even in that one, he's like. Let me pose her and then put a sheet over her so yeah. that Will Patton can find her. So, and then I'll just be hiding in the other room, wait for him to, like, find her. Like, what a, what a jerk Michael is. So we have the characters Big John Little John, played by Scott yes. MacArthur and Michael McDonald. Um, it's the, the I, I love that, like, Scott MacArthur, the Big John character, has, like, his own intro to the film. <laughs> it's like, he's just like, he's like smoking weed and playing his record at the end. It's just like giving you like multiple, multiple angles of coverage just to like introduce the fact that it's like, now we're stepping into this world. And yes. it's, it's, it's really silly. I am aware <laughs> that, um, some, some friends of the show are puzzled by the idea of gays who nicknamed themselves Big John and Little John. is like, that's just not a thing. But for the sake of this movie, I don't know. I rolled with it. It's just funny. <laughs> like, it's just, it's these cute nicknames they have for each other and the way that they, the way that we see that kind of relationship as far as they clearly care about each other and have their own shtick as far as, I think, being real estate people in the town of Haddonfield and they're living in Michael Myers' house. It's like, okay, like, I, I just dig hanging out with these people. And I think that's a big part of, like, again, the well, appeal. Well, you also remember Big John and Little John. If it's, like, Chet and Steven, like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Right. But they also, uh, like, to, to your earlier point here, there are also characters that seemingly do a smart thing, too. Like they, they're basically playing Echo with each other as they're clearing their house. Mm-hmm. I was like, see? That's something that logical people would probably do. They probably would stick mm-hmm. together usually, but you know, for the purpose of this movie, it's like, well, they're also not expecting like you know a a mass murderer that's unkillable to be the perpetrator that they're dealing <laughs> with. They're just thinking maybe it's some like stupid kid or something again, or right. like, you know, like someone. They're not thinking Michael Myers is the person they're going to be dealing with in this scenario. Right, right, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, because he's he's a he's a fairy tale. He's he's a, a legend, but or uh, I'm sorry, not a legend, a um a myth. So the other thing that I thought that they didn't go with was, Oh, I hope that these people aren't like hardcore Michael Myers, like seance people. And they're like, let's go live in his house. And so that let's hope that he rises up again mm-hmm. and then we'll be part of like his drone army before he kills us. It's like, <laughs> no, they're not. They're just real estate guys living in, living in that house. They did a great job at the house. Totally doesn't look like the house from 1978. It's just, I would probably look to buy that house, but um, they yeah. did a better job than John and Deborah Strode did with it. Yeah. Boom. They just left it as is, right? And they're like, for sale. Um, to get, because I forgot to, or just, did, I was waiting to mention this. Um, it takes us out of the comedy realm a bit, but it goes back to the mob at the hospital. Sure. Part of my issue there, and I guess this is kind of inherently funny, is that the foundation of why this mob got angry really annoyed me because it becomes this matter of we're confusing somebody for Michael Myers, and there's a way to make that work. 
but it's not by using like Danny DeVito's stunt double for the Penguin. Like I just don't understand <laughs> why the the we needed to like use this as the foundation for why this mob's so angry that we have this like this what well, this escaped escaped mental patient that's you know looks the way he does that's very not Michael Myers, let alone unmasked, not threatening anybody, and running away panicked. It feels like mm-hmm. at some point. We need to, like, I get that immediately well, once Lori sees him, she's, you know, like, that's not Michael. But it it's just, like, it it's such a hard, like, it's such a hard opposite from what Michael Myers is for me to, like, get caught up in this, in, to, in this pandemonium. To, to me, it was, like, they've, they've garnered so many people that weren't even interested to begin with but have sure. gone with it that don't even know of what Michael, they, they hear, they've been hearing bad things from other people all night. Mm-hmm. They see some guy that looks that fits this description of escape mental patient and they don't care. There's no it's it's a commentary on now. It's like I like I agree with you. It's not fully clean or neat, uh-huh. but it's a commentary of not having enough context. Yeah. Um, just not caring anymore. Wanting something to fit what your narrative is to be like Tommy. To, Tommy even knows like it's right. not. Um, eventually though i mean that's eventually that, that's i think a, he just wants it to be over like but even that i mean like like he sees him in the car doubling like, down they, on stupid like that's he, he like sees him in that because he's in the car or whatever right like that's him too like it's yeah it's again it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's, dark. it's one of two things it's one it's like either have someone that just looks more like michael myers to begin with for one mm-hmm. thing or give better but you give or or yeah. give better material to Hall. I think that that's right, where I'm right, losing it. Because right. again, I yeah. I completely agree with you as far as what the ideas are. I just think the execution there sure. is lacking either because of the writing or because of of centering it so much on Tommy. Like that that's yeah. just it's rubbing me not quite the right way. Yeah, he's a bit too extreme, and I think they're trying to say that like they even know he doesn't look like it, but they want it to be that narrative. They want that to because they, they they need something, and now and you've got so many people involved. That they don't even they're not they're just they just showed up they're they're there now they they want to be everybody wants to be the hero now even the guy who just moved into town last week first heard about Michael Myers 15 minutes ago mm-hmm. now wants to be a big shot hero and he sees that oh that fits that's him that's him and then all these people that's you know and I think they meant to contrast him to Michael Myers so much but visually and as quickly as it happens in the movie and stuff you're like how in the world could they think that but there's we live in the world where we think that daily now like how in the world could you buy that like how could and that's kind of what's reflecting yeah well which is why like what jim was mentioning earlier around it's like it's a dog chasing car what happens when the dog gets the car doesn't know what to do with it like that's the same thing that's happening here i agree with you guys uh, incredibly to the point of what aaron and brandon you guys are saying the other thing that i just want to add was uh, to go a little bit more in depth into it, it's, it's just like there are consequences to your actions. And Brandon, you're the one mentioning earlier, is like the give you out the gun type of mentality, or like the 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 seemingly what you would do. Mm-hmm. Aaron mentioned this in in one of the um, like it's a phrase that is universal, but it happened in one of the podcasts recently where it's like fuck around and find out. <laughs> um, and these people fucked around and they found out. Like, you know, there are definitely like everything is not as clean as what you think it is. And I actually really liked that there was like this voiceless moment where it's like, Hey, it's not Michael. And he's like, I know. And it's like, and all that, that uh, Judy Greer can do is just like, give him like this, like mean look. 
and be like, you're the one that fucking caused this. Yeah. Um, and and then later, I actually really appreciate that they kind of go back to it, too. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? Feel sorry for yourself for the rest of your life because you killed this guy? And um, I will say, like, no, I'm going to make this right of the of the performance. And I do think Judy Greer is the MVP of this movie. I think she after mm-hmm. getting not much to do in the previous film, I think she has a lot more to do here that reflects on both the fact that her husband is dead, uh, right. that her grandmother is. Well, she's for one thing, she's right, kind of. Mm-hmm. And that she, yeah. you know, has to deal with the fact that you know, her family is in jeopardy, seemingly. And, you know, the whole Michael factor just in general. Like, I do think there's a lot there that I think works in in the favor of mainly the Strode family. I mean, they're all doing the job. We haven't talked anything about Jimmy Lee Curtis, by the way, who's the, yeah. the, the star of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Well, I, I like that this movie does remember a lot about the previous one, whereas there's contrast, contrasting information between um, Allison and Karen's characters that mm-hmm. doesn't get conveyed because Karen believes that Michael Myers came for Lori in that one. And, Allison's like the oh, that, that yeah. Dr. Sartain, everybody's favorite from the last one. Yeah. Didn't have enough flashbacks of him in this one, though, sadly. Um, Dr. Sartain drove it, forced it. It wasn't supposed to happen. And they haven't had enough time to talk to convey that to each other. Mm-hmm. So Judy Greer doesn't even know that. To That's the kind of movie. thing where a different movie, if it was handled differently, it would frustrate me because, like, this is just a five minute conversation. But because I think the movie does a good job of separating them as ne- as needed by the plot mm-hmm. right with, without feeling or- it felt organic i guess to and not have the same have night yeah same night yeah all, so that, that all helped right. let's uh so what about jamie lee curtis in this film obviously she's not in it nearly as much but what, what did you guys think of her laurie Strode well you're and this is kind of like where the um she's a really good actress and she carries a lot of 2018 halloween and so Aaron, like to your point about Michael Anthony Michael Hall, it's like he's just not as interesting of a character, and he just is not as good as an actor as Jamie Lee Curtis. So I'm just not really compelled by it. So that's why whenever we get the scenes of her in the hospital, specifically only, I'm just like, oh, I'm charged up, ready to go, amped up, and I, I kind of believe her when she's like, I'm gonna go find him. Just let me get some morphine in my leg here. Um, not a great way to inject yourself with morphine, by the way. Um, seems kind of dangerous, <laughs> but, but I, I just, she's such a good actor that I'm just in her realm. And then I kind of get taken out of it with, with some of the folks. Jim, how about you? I think, uh, this movie suffered from lack of Jamie Lee mm-hmm. that the first movie didn't suffer from. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I have a deep and abiding love for Jamie Lee Curtis and, uh, I, you know, she was really the heart of the first movie. This one, I, just your take on it, Aaron. I don't, whether it was the writing or just Anthony Michael Hall not being cast in the right role or whatever. I just, I had trouble with him in that role, uh, buying him in that role, and it was kind of distracting. And I didn't think he was, I, like you said, the writing was or his acting wasn't strong enough to carry it for me. I, I, I just wish there had been more Jamie Lee in the movie, to be honest. I, I don't think anyone expected this to become some big ensemble film like there's no i I, is anthony michael hall our de facto lead of this or is it separated enough that (laughs) him and michael and like some karen some allison uh like but it's it's largely an ensemble and it's something not seen in a lot of in pretty much any of these halloween films uh 
So it's it's just an interesting thing. And I, I remember when the casting was starting and I hear that like they flirted with the idea of, you know, having Paul Rudd come back to play Tommy Doyle in this version too. And it didn't line up or work, but I, I don't think Paul Rudd could have made this. He's not the right choice either be, for this, this too, Tommy Doyle. It'd be Doyle. too cute for the movie like this. It'd be such a, too much of a cute casting choice to be like, yeah, we got him from Halloween six, which doesn't count in the series, but it's, you know, yeah. it's, t- that'd be, that'd be pandering <laughs> to a, yeah. to a very specific audience, but still be pandering. <laughs> right. But yeah, he, I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't bothered by him as much as you guys, but I, I wasn't like, I immediately realized I wasn't going to like the character or be that what kind of character he was going to be. So I just, it, whether he could carry it or not, I was just, I was leaning on, well, this guy's just kind of a, he's kind of a monster himself. He's misguided. He's, and I think you know, in, in future viewings, maybe I'll like, that'll just register for me more. I, cause it, it's like, I have nothing against Anthony Michael Hall. It's just like, I, right. I, and maybe it really is just the writing. Like, cause it's not, you know, it's not, it's the kind of thing, as I always like to say, it's like, it's not like the people aren't looking through the camera and seeing what's going on here. Like, if they wanted to modulate it, they modulated modulate it. Right. So it's like... So it's I like... Mean, they, they did not sell this movie on, hey, it's the new Anthony Michael Hall movie coming out this weekend, which is more true <laughs> more true than the advertising they gave. Like, mm-hmm. it's um, trailers be trailers, and they keep things secret, but, like, the they really didn't divulge, like, him much other than, uh, hey, look, he's Tommy Doyle in this one and it felt like he'd be a side piece to this when he is pretty pro uh pretty predominant well, it's like a, from a marketing standpoint it's like you know it's like what do we have we have the dead zone or we have legendary actors jamie lee curtis no, no, <laughs> like what do you, I, what do you I totally understand yeah no, that might you. be kind of the shell shock that some of the negative people are are having mm-hmm. uh right now is that that Jamie Lee Curtis is probably as involved in, in as much in this as she was in Halloween too, but yeah, <laughs> it's just different um, for different in a reasons, way, but yeah. for reasons. But I, I really, it helps push and make what they want Michael to be from the first one to what the Michael they're wanting to reimagine by ignoring all the sequels we had is now that case for that stronger because of this movie. Um, than it wasn't even in the last one because now like they didn't they don't force any like Laurie and Michael stuff to it um, it really yeah. becomes that he is has his own agenda it, it's not personal with anybody um, and that's hammered home as if because a lot I if you didn't get it from the last one now it's more now it's clear now it's apparent that it's mm-hmm. not two fates meeting up together well, I'm just—I'm mm-hmm. very curious where ends goes. Like, is it gonna be like a Supreme Court case where it's People versus Michael Myers, and he just won't leave his house? Like, I don't know what it's gonna be. But uh, right. last thing I want to—he's under house arrest. Last thing, or he just—he just doesn't leave the house. But people are oh, like, okay. you know, you did murder all of us. It's like, mm. yeah. Um, it's well, in the next, in the next one, in the next one, Michael is going to go to Lori and say, "Hey, um, I—I I didn't lie to you, but you are a." You are a Myers. It's just, it wasn't what I thought. No, this is going to lead into murder. Hot flip. He's going to flip it. He's going to flip it. He's going to flip that. He's going to flip the house. Start, his own, yeah, start his own show. Like, this is my retirement fund, guys. That's what I've been waiting yeah. for. There you go. He's going to team up with like Wayne hey. Brady, so he has some comedic relief on the side. Well, there you go. He's good with tools. <laughs> <laughs> Some, somehow, Sartain has returned. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, last thing I want to mention, then we should move on, yes. but the score, I think we could all agree, totally kicks ass. Um, oh, yeah. There's yeah, some new cool. stuff in there. They were do- oh, it's John like, Carpenter, like, yeah. his son Cody Carpenter, and his Daniel Davies, Davies, they've all put together what I think is a pretty tremendous script. Let's do it a few times now. It's not it's, it's, it's not over long. It's just like the right length, but it's just a great like mix of like, yeah, obviously the themes, but also just some new but, just new ideas for how to you know make this work. Well, yeah, and I, I would listen to John Carpenter's keyboard with the demo button hit. Like, that's how <laughs> cool he is. And they also did something wicked cool with the uh, opening credit sequences. I, I really liked what they yeah, I agree. did there. That was neat. Um, yeah. A nice play on that. Any other thoughts on Halloween Kills? I just can't get over how funny and whimsical Michael can be. <laughs> like, it's just, he's like six foot seven, gets around so quickly, and again, just... Let me let me prop these people up for you. Let me let me make Halloween a really good night for everybody. <laughs> I yeah. He, he goes hard in the cardio. He doesn't skip like day. No <laughs> keto diet. Yeah. Diet. You know you know that's how he's rolling. Yeah. He, he's like reading all these Martha Stewart magazines for for ideas. Come on. I guess real quick question because then we need to move yes. on. But what did you guys think of like? the final like 10 minutes of this movie like how it like, beyond the idea of like yeah we want to see where it goes next what did you, did you guys think what did you guys think of the execution i guess of what was going on in the kind of final beats of this film i mean there, there's a couple of things that come to mind again his knife cut is really good um but <laughs> the other thing is also like hey man brandon you mentioned it earlier it's like what did you guys think when we tried to shoot him already and he didn't die <laughs> you know like what are you guys thinking here um, but hey, um, if I try to found out, Aaron, do you have any thoughts? The thought that came to me was they, they shot that scene one way and then there's a turning point and then they shoot it in a very different style. I don't know if you guys are hip to that. Um, I don't, I can't really go into it too hard without actually spoiling it, but like, I thought that was a really interesting choice as far as. What happens in the aftermath? I think what the way they left it is why I'm really looking forward to the third movie. There is a lot of fallout from what happens in that last five or yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, especially it's like at the end, really right? reverberate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I was like, I'm not really sure what's happening here. It's gonna really reverberate in the next movie. I think so. Brandon. Yeah, it, I thought it was good. I thought it was that sort of um, suspenseful ticking time bomb where you just you know what's where it's where the the climax here is going to end up it's just how and uh just anticipating i'll say michael getting his turn um and it's it's an interesting ending uh for one of these films and uh, a unique one it wasn't the the same you know the last one ended burning him we've seen we've seen him getting blown up and burned before um mm-hmm. this was this was quite different um and quite in the the hook of um, solid cliffhanger endings for for the Halloween series. I'll just I gotta it. say that Buster Rhyme that Buster Rhymes cameo was totally <laughs> totally <laughs> unforeseen. On Should have stayed for the stinger credits. <clears throat> Danger Tainment on the scene did not. I'll just I'll just add to what Jim's was saying as far as the kind of how things were depicted. It almost gave me like comic book panel vibes as far as what yeah. how it was framed and how we were seeing things take place, which I thought was pretty neat. Like I, mm-hmm. I like writing aside, and I don't think that all the writing's awful. I just think it's there's it's a mixed bag of points. I do think the direction David Gordon Green's going for, I think it even ups the ante from the first film. Like he really has a lot of different stylistic touches that he's bringing to this movie that I think 
if you're you know if the first one was meant to be more simplistic and you know reminiscent of the original film this does feel like a, a logical step for a sequel that wants to kind of push the boundaries so i do think that overall it helped the film from a cinematic standpoint but yeah by the ending i i i, I like choices that it was making and obviously yes it leaves me intrigued for more um okay when should people go and see Halloween Kills? It's currently in theaters and streaming on Peacock. Uh, Jim, when should people see Halloween Kills? Stream it. Stream it. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on the conservative side when it goes it comes to going back to the theaters mm-hmm. totally. uh, because of my my health issues or whatever my my family's health issues. So I would recommend streaming it. It's definitely worth watching. If you're a fan of, the, I, I hate to use this cliche, but if you're a fan of the series, you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> Brandon, for me, Mike, you know, Michael's always theater. Uh, so if you're comfortable and able to go to the theater, go see Michael on the big screen always. Um, but you know, if if all you can get a Peacock, I mean, check it out. Make sure you put your phone away, pay attention, um, enjoy the show. Abe, yeah, on our old scale, this would probably be an HBO. Um, you should. You can wait for it to come to streaming. It's already there now in today's scale. Um, so yeah, uh, check it out. I mean, I like the movie. I, I I have my issues with it, but I do think it's October. It's a new Halloween film. Kind of go hand in hand. Worth checking out. You know, see it in theater if you're again safe and comfortable. If not, Peacock's right there, and it, you know, it's perfectly fine for those that have that streaming service. So there you go. There you go. Okay, so that's been our review for Halloween Kills. Let's move on now. Let's get to Abe. What uh, what time is it? Aaron's time for a quick game here. Little known fact, that was actually going to be the record that played with Big John and Little John, but they're like, no, we actually want words that will uh, convey a story. (laughs) Yeah, that's what (laughs) happened. (laughs) I've got a game for you guys this week. It's called Halloween Kill Count. (laughs) Okay. This is where Uh, uh, I will uh, go. A count or count? What's up? A count or count? Uh, Count, just count. Kill count. Yeah, we're not doing we're not doing uh, banking here. Um, But this is where it could be box office questions. This is true. Uh, This is where I will name a a movie. Probably going to go through almost all of them. And uh, I'm going to give you guys a multiple choice here of how many body counts are. So each one of you will get to. uh, Well, unless somebody gets it right, but uh, you'll have four choices. And uh, we'll see where this goes here. So, again, just the, the Michael Myers body count, not the total movie body count. Okay, so um, not, not the people Lori kills in the movie. Exactly, okay, yeah. Got or, it. you know, <laughs> the cops kill <laughs> by running them over because it's dark. Um, and it could be off screen as well. So the first one here, 1978, uh, Aaron, is it A5, B6, C seven or D eight. Five, six, seven, eight. Five. That, that is correct. It's pretty good, Aaron. It's uh, a manageable. It's easy to keep track of for that first movie, honestly. Say, <laughs> as, long, as long as you don't forget the as long as you don't forget the guy who he gets the jumpsuit from, you're good. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah. The next one here, Halloween two. Uh A seven B eight C nine D ten. They're not all gonna be sequential so brandon what do you think uh halloween to the kill count is seven eight nine ten does um 
Does Dr. Loomis sacrificing himself to kill Michael count? <laughs> I'm going to say no. Well, it's not, a, it's not a Michael kill since Abe specified Michael. Well, he, he, he was so brutal, he convinced Dr. Loomis he had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. but, it was a psychological but, kill for Michael. Kill, uh, according, was, according to this list that I'm reading here, no, it doesn't count. Uh, oh, jeez. Um, does... We assume Jimmy lives, right? I mean, I'm yes. That Jimmy lives, yes. He, well, yeah, he's in the yeah. I mean, they cut him from the ending of the movie, so yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. left in the car. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm gonna go with nine. That is correct. There you go, Jim. How many kills are there in Halloween three from Michael Myers? Zero, one, two, Halloween. three. In following three, zero. That is correct. Why, why give him the multiple choice? <laughs> like, I was going to say, Tom Atkins is my homeboy. He could have thought that it was like... No, but if you say zero options. is one of the multiple choice options, Hold it's got to be are, zero. Are, <laughs> like, are any of his kills from the first movie shown on the TV in the third one? I don't believe they no. are. No, no they're not. Yeah. And uh, as, as far as Michael Myers kills, zero. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one here, Halloween 4, 1988. Uh, Aaron A twelve, B fifteen, C seventeen, D eighteen. Yeah, this gets a little, little trickier. Let's see, Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. Thank you. I, mm, I, <laughs> uh, it's one or the other. I'm gonna say twelve. That is incorrect. Damn it, it's the other one. Brandon, <laughs> uh, A12, B15, C17, or D18 kills for Michael Myers. Recounting the police station he took out off screen and don't know how many bodies. <laughs> four. Halloween so. four. Yeah, he took out police station in that one. It's a scary sound. What was the option? It was what A A twelve B fifteen C seventeen or D eighteen B fifteen. That is correct. Yeah, 15. that's that's what I was debating between. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, you got to go again first in this next one here. Halloween okay. five A eight B nine C ten or D twelve nine. That is incorrect. Jim, Halloween 5. 12. 12. That is correct. <laughs> Pretty good here. Uh, the next one here. Uh, Jim, now, doesn't getting... the doctor kill a bunch of guys in that one, too? The doctor. There's a... Yeah, there's a, the man, yeah. The, yeah, man in black. Yeah, he, he kills a bunch. He kills like yeah, yeah. Five, five has a huge body count, but not a huge Michael Myers body count by comparison. <laughs> Yeah, that that doctor that's kills that's a lot of. It would be twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, yeah. you got to go first in the section in here. Uh, Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, A twelve, B fifteen, C sixteen, mm. or D nineteen. I'll say sixteen. That is correct. Oh, look at this. Whoa! Jim Deets pulling up into the lead here. Jim Deets. Aaron, <laughs> you got to go first in this one. Halloween H two O. Mm-hmm. Uh, A3, B4, C5, or D6? Six. 
That is correct. Good. Okay. Yeah, that's another like low kill count. It's one. low, but it's like we still he kills more than three people. So that's yeah, okay. He kills that guy from like Chicago Hope or Chicago MD. He kills Alan Ar- Adam Arkin. Yes. Yeah, pretty terrible way. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he he gets him in the back and lifts. He does. He pulls a Halloween two on him. Hey, yeah, it's yeah, a Halloween right. two reference. That's what he goes for. <laughs> um, LL Randy, Cool J lives though. He makes it. He does. Yeah, you think he's dead? Yeah. Yeah, Michael loves Cool James. You know, <laughs> again, playing pranks, he's like, let me have, like, uh, just, like, turn this car off at the gate here and make LL Cool J come out. I'm going to just stare at him, and then I'll just walk up this, the, to the school. Uh, the next one here, Brandon, you got to go first. Halloween Resurrection, A8, B10, C12, or D13? Only one, because I shut off after the intro. Um, Eight... That is incorrect. Jim, mm-hmm. A8, B10, C12, D13. I'll go with 12. That is incorrect. Ah. Aaron? Repeat my eight, options ten, again. 8, 12, 13. 8, 10, 12, 13. What did Brandon say? He said 8. Okay. I said 12. 10? That is correct. It is 10. <laughs> okay, good. It's like, it's not that many, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> Who went first in that last one? That was, uh, that, was Jim, that was Brandon. Jim. That was oh, me. That's Brandon. Yeah. Jim, mm-hmm. You get to go first in this next one. Halloween 27, or 2007, Rob Zombie. Uh, A15, B20, C21, or D25? Wait, this is me? This is for uh, Jim. Okay. Or is this Brandon? No, it's Jim. It should be Jim. It's Jim. Jim. Yeah, Jim. Okay. 15, I'll say 20, I'll say tr- I'll say 20. That is incorrect. Aaron. This is 15, which? 20, 21, 25. This is H. How, is zombies Halloween? Rob Rob zombies Halloween. First, yeah. first zombie. Ro- Robert. Yeah. Robert. Zombie? Robert. Yeah. Robert. Robert zombie. Mr. Zombie. Michael kills. Um. We had what? What? 15, 18? We have uh, 15... Which cut of the film? 20... <laughs> oh, that's a good question. 15, oh. 20, 25. I want to say 21. I'm going to say that it's the... Um, th- regardless. Both the unrated and the uh, theatrical. I'm going to say 21. 21 is incorrect. Brandon, uh, 15, 20, 21, 25. What did Jim say? He said 20. I said 20. Uh, Aaron said 21. 25. 25 is correct. Wow, okay. I knew it was a high number. A huge kill yeah. count. I literally watched it yesterday, but I didn't count it. <laughs> so... I mean, who does, right? <laughs> well, because uh, two two is more. So I was like, it wasn't that is a 20. Are you sure? I'm pretty uh, sure. Well, yeah. you're going to get the go first here. Uh, Halloween 2, 20, oh, God, 2009. Uh-huh. 20, 21, 24, 29. <laughs> It's me, right? Is it me? Yes, it's it's Aaron. Yeah. Is it twenty nine? Does he kill twenty nine people? It is not twenty nine. No. <laughs> Brandon, twenty, twenty one, twenty four, twenty nine. Um, twenty. Twenty is incorrect. Jim. Twenty, uh, twenty one, twenty four is incorrect. It was twenty one. Oh my god. Uh, oh, blackjack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Brandon, you got to go in this one, 2018. Um, 
A15, B17, C18, or D22? 15. 15 is incorrect. Jim? 17. 17 is incorrect, Aaron. What's, what's ah, left here? Strong. Oh, well. 15, 17, 18, or 22? The 2018 one? Is 2018. He kills a lot of people. He does, but that many? I, I mean, the internet wouldn't lie. The internet would not lie. Is it too cute for it to be 18 in the 2018? Is that your final answer? Damn it. I hate thinking that way. Does he get to 22, though? Uh, 18. 18 is correct. Good. Jeez. There we go. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sure yeah, kills me, has to be the here. most. I know kills yeah, has to be I, the most. According to according to this Halloween fandom wiki, kills a bus driver. He kills Haskell. He kills Kuhnman. I don't know who these people are. I think that's kills Kevin's dad, which is mean. Uh-huh. He kills Kevin, which is meaner. Kills the mechanic. Kills the teller. Kills the two podcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kills Gina Pancella, bludgeoned to death by a hammer. So the woman that's at her house making a sandwich. Yep. Uh, he kills that woman who's just on the phone. He slits her neck. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then he stabs Vicky, stabs Dave. Yeah, the babysitter uh, and her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kills Oscar. Uh, impales yeah. that guy with a gate spike. Well, he kind of yep. falls on the gate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh. He crushes the doctor's head. Mm-hmm. He cuts the throat and then stabs him with a penknife. These two, the two cops, um, kills Toby and then Huss. he kills a, he kills Ray. Yeah, huh. that's a lot of people dead. Yeah, he's got a lot of business. Yeah, Aaron with uh, Aaron with that last one, you pulled away and you <laughs> won. Ah, wonderful, Aaron, uh, you are the winner of Halloween kill count four three three. Jim, you and Brandon tied. So good job. It's a close game, but a well fought. Close game, one. yeah. Happy to happy to be with you guys. A lot of deaths here. Yeah, I mean, I'd be an angry mob too if Michael just came in and killed eighteen people in my town. Right, <laughs> like, right. it's, it's a lot. I mean, and then he, he kills the entire fire department in the next one. I guess sixteen. Those two podcasts don't count, but a great name for one of them. But um, anyway, uh, let's let's um let's move on now. We gotta wrap this up. <laughs> um, uh, let's let's get to, uh, that was that was a good game. Let's move on to some feedback. 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 This is where we go over there. Questions answered on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash podcast. We have a number of questions to the listeners, and they give us some answers. And uh, yeah. Hey, why don't you start this one off? Here we go. Uh, the first question we ask everybody is What is your favorite kill in the Halloween movies? Chris has Halloween 6, uh, a terrible film, but great kills. The doctor being slammed into the bars, and Jamie's death by spinning knives. Pretty gruesome. What are your favorite Halloween kills? I mean, I guess the um... now in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are my favorite Halloween kills? Because no, I think theaters I th- and Peacock. I think more of like the build up to some of them, like like Annie's death in the first film. Like I think mm-hmm. it's just a great like series of events that leads to her eventual divide. The, the kill itself is just like he, cut, he strangles her for a while and then stabs her. But like, the, right. but like the build up to like the car. The, and it's locked. She goes back. She comes back. The door's open. She's like, "Oh, the door's open." The windows fogged up. Like it's that's just like a whole bunch of stuff. It's like really great. Or PJ Soul's uh, demise in the first one. 
where she thinks it's her boyfriend because he's wearing the glasses. Ultimate the, Michael prank right there. Just sheet. wearing the sheet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, Michael, Michael the mischief maker. You know, at it again. What a lovable scamp. <laughs> well, I know, seriously, what a scamp. Brandon, do you have a favorite what one? What a lovable scamp. Uh, I, I like... Um... The Bob kill is just yeah. iconic. Uh-huh. Like it's there's the I mean it's a it's a ba- I mean it's a uh, well, answer. Uh, I liked Annie's death in uh, the Rob Zombie's Halloween too, especially the director's cut where they uh, intermix some uh, old footage of Daniel old Harris. footage of Daniel Harris and stuff. That one's uh, really neat. Um, Nurse Karen in the original Halloween too, where oh, she yeah. gets scolded in the the. Uh, that hot bathroom yeah yeah the yeah and um to give rob zombie credit again um d wallace's death in that one's just it's simple but like just disturbing uh the way he shoots it and you just see the aftermath of him breaking in their home and he just kind of just so ever so slightly snaps her neck back it's like Uh really disturbing um there's yeah i mean there's so many um good ones there's that i mean like uh halloween six the uh rear window type kills pretty cool when uh she's watching from uh, across the house uh-huh. at the one girl getting killed through tommy doyle's uh telescope binocular thing so um yeah um and there's plenty of them in halloween kills for the books as well that yeah. one's could make a top 10 itself full arse of light uh, well, on that fun note, uh, next question we have here. What are some great <laughs> horror sequels? Uh, Chris writes The Devil's Rejects, Aliens, 28 Weeks Later, Evil Dead 2, Todd Lieben, out front of the show, has Psycho 2, Slumber Party Massacre 2, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Scott Mendelson, in front of the show, has Silence of the Lambs, Bride of Frankenstein, Saw 6, Scream 2, and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 7. And Joe has Jaws 2 Friday, and Friday the 13th Part 2. Favorite horror sequels? Dawn of the Dead. Just throwing that out there. Aiden's a good call. Yeah, uh, we recently talked about Final Destination Five. Uh-huh, such yeah. a such a great sequel. Uh, obvious answer like uh, Dream Warriors or New Nightmare for mm-hmm. Freddy. Um, uh, like just Journal Activity Three. Aaron took mine. I mean, Dawn of the Dead would be my go-to as far as horror, horror sequel. I, I like uh, Dario Gento's Inferno, uh, the sequel to Suspiria. It's pretty terrific. I enjoy that one a lot. Awesome. Uh, next question is, what are some great movies featuring angry mobs? Uh, Joe has uh, Green Street Hooligans, and Todd Liebenau has Frankenstein. Any uh, mob movies? Oh, you mentioned Beauty and the Beast earlier. Uh, Gangs of <laughs> yeah, New York. Yeah, great song. Godfather. Gangs Godfather. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises. That's a big gang fight. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Dawn, the... Of the De- Dawn of the Dead, as Aaron mentioned. Uh, the Warriors. The Warriors is angry mobs. Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Mentioned Paranorman yeah. in the review. Paranorman, yeah. All right. What's your favorite Jamie Lee Curtis film slash role? Chris writes Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. Home field advantage for him over there. Uh, Jeff writes uh, Freaky Friday, Knives Out, and True Lies. And Todd Levenow has True Lies. Mm. Tough call. Yeah, so they named a lot of them. Fish Called Wanda is a, is a Fish Called Wanda one. is a great one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, trading places. Trading places. Trading places. Yeah. Never did a hard classic days as a kid. Life. You know. Soft hands. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Perfect with John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. I mean, even even like Freaky Friday, she's not bad at. 
Yeah, she got, uh, she got like a Golden Globe nomination, I believe, for Freaky Friday. <laughs> my favorite movie. The Hollywood Press Association. Those stunners, yes. My my favorite movie she's in is the uncredited voice of the narrator as Escape in Escape from New York. So there you go. And she's also oh. a a a voice in Halloween Three as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who are your favorite final girls from horror films? Uh, Todd Lebanel has Nancy, Heather uh, Langenkamp uh, in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you guys have any favorite final girls? Obviously, um. Vera Farmiga's sister, Tessia, 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 from The Final Girls. There you go. <laughs> it's, not, it's a good answer. <laughs> Campbell, Bruce Campbell's my favorite Final Girl. There you go. There you go. I like uh, to add. I do like Heather Lane Kip. I like Lisa Wilcox from Elm Street Four and Five quite a bit. Daniel Harris from these Halloween movies. Um, I like as a maybe not so much the characters she plays, but I don't think Jill Schuling gets enough street cred as being one of the top. Um, final girl horror heroes from that same era as all these other people. She's got like a nice little wheelhouse of like the stepfather cutting class popcorn, mm-hmm. uh, the Robert England Phantom of the opera. Uh, when a stranger calls back, she's got a lot going in. She's a terrific actor. I throw in Kristen Connolly from cabin in the woods. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question we have here. What are some horror films featuring scary houses? Gary writes The Haunting, The Innocence, and Old Dark House. Hmm. Monster House? Amityville yeah. Horror? Amityville Horror? We're going to talk about it soon, but I mean, the house for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family. I mean, the Sawyer yeah. House. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, weird house, a lot of bad stuff goes on in there, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The house in the movie House? Uh, the, the house from the, cha- the Changeling? The House of Wax? Oh, yeah. And uh, the house, the, the Exorcist. I mean, not. is that an apartment or a house? I guess it's a house. Yeah, it's, it's, a, house. it's a very nice condo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode about now their name. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can find my written reviews over at We Live Entertainment, my my Blu-ray and Criterion reviews at wisetheblue.com. And I do some variety stuff occasionally, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff for my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose, hashtag BigJohnLittleJohn. <laughs> Jim Dietz, where can people find more of you? Uh, every week on the Nothing's On podcast with Donnie Salvo and Daryl Taylor at the Taylor Network of Podcast.com. Also weekly with uh, co- cohort Brandon Peters at the BrandonPetersShow.com, uh, doing the old space show. Going week, week, weekly uh, through uh, episodes of uh, second season of Space 1999. And then finally, uh, The Walking Dead is in full swing. We just had the finale of the parent show. We've got Fear of the Walking Dead popping up and Working Dead World Beyond. And we're covering all that at HHWLOD.com on The Walking Dead TV podcast. So check me out there, too. Brandon Peters. I'm at the Brandon Peters Show. Uh, BrandonPetersShow.com, as Jim mentioned. Um uh, anywhere, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon4KUHD. If you are into the tricks and the treats and the hauntings, you're going to love. Uh, right now, we're going to be running uh, Tales from the Crypts first season. It's only six episodes. Uh, there'll be discussion for it starting this week with the original episode with me and guest Jessica Alsman. Jim's going to take a break the next week as it's going to be all Tales from the Crypt featuring um, Katie Reif, Pacing Pete, Danielle Sepulveres, Molly Henry, and your very own Aaron Newworth. Hey, so. that's me. Hey! So it's gonna be a fun week. Hey, I heard him. Tales from the crypt. 
<laughs> and a bunch of reviews on Weiser Blue that are giving me anxiety with my stack. So. People need oh. to know about the latest series of The Flash or whatever the fuck. I mean, it's just really important. So. <laughs> People got to know. People got to know. know. They got to know about the three commentaries. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm sorry. They don't even have that, Aaron, anymore. They, are, they don't even have that. They are good reviews. Um, that is going to do it for this week's episode. You can find all the other episodes about now with their name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Sound Cal Flatomac and HWLOD. Feel free to email us out now podcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash out now podcast. Or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash out now underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Instagram page, instagram.com slash out underscore podcast as well. Send uh, us a DM. Yeah. Jim Dietz, Brandon Peters, thank you very much for joining us to talk Halloween Kills. Heck yeah. Uh, get an extra episode in this month for out now with your name. Very happy. Always a pleasure. Glad to have you guys on there. Thank you, the listeners, for listening. Next week, guys, it's coming. That's right. Spice World. I mean, Dune. Dune is happening next week. June. Get ready, Get ready <laughs> for like, it. They're, re- re- they're re-releasing Spice World. And we're doing it on the podcast? <laughs> I would have been fine with it. <laughs> on IMAX. On I- yes, on IMAX. Even better. <laughs> but yes, I'm very excited. I know, Jim, you're super excited for Dune, and we all are looking forward to seeing the movie. But that is what's happening next week. So until then, until next time, so long. And trick or treat.